there's no more room in hell. The dead will start a podcast. I advise you to call this party off now. The ghosts are already moving and that's a bad sign. Suicide. The history of Hill House was ideal. It had everything I wanted. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of No More Room in Hell. I almost said fresh cuts because I'm so used to doing that every week, and this one's been a while since we recorded, but it's No More Room in Hell, number 47. I am Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, scaredy cats. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you doing? I am doing well. It's good to be recording on a Sunday again. Uh, everything worked out, so we are full systems go for this episode. Also with us, it's Derek. What's up, Derek? How are you? Hey guys, it's me. I'm here. When did Don get here? Is that Derek and Ellie? <laughs> yeah, well, well, you said fresh cuts at the beginning, so I was like, oh, wrong show, I guess. Whatever. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going? Glad to be back with you guys for another episode. So, what the hell's been going on, guys? What's new? What are we What are we going to talk about tonight? <laughs> Hot dogs. Hot dogs. State <laughs> fairs. Dog summer. Hot dog well, fingers and googly eyes. Pizza Papa always gets paid, Michael. Pizza Papa. <laughs> Mike has say, no idea what I'm talking about. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, Mike doesn't. Not at all. Yeah. I would say, hey, we're going into the last month of summer, but out here we got at least two more months of summer. Summer? Uh, what? Well, what are these seasons you speak of? I'm in Southern California. I don't know what seasons are. Oh, man. Another <laughs> month of probably nasty 100 degrees. Oh, nasty my ass. Love it. I took a walk yesterday in 101 degree weather. Fucking awesome. I almost yeah. died. So. <laughs> Dude, if it's 100 degrees, my walk would consist of taking a step onto the porch and going back inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dogs, just go in the backyard. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we uh, it's been a minute since we recorded our last episode, so maybe we have a lots of stuff to catch up on. Maybe yeah. not. Who knows? But uh, we're going to go ahead and do the catching up now. So, Venom, uh, start us off with what you've been watching. All right. Well, you, you, you folks know that usually I like to bring new movies to the, to the foray with the what we've been watching segment. Unfortunately, Derek and myself have been elbow deep in the summer series over at the uh, podcast Under the Stairs land. And um, so I haven't really been watching a lot of new movies other than what we do for Fresh Cuts. So unfortunately, no new movies today, but I will be bringing some classics to the table that I've been uh, catching up on for the summer series. The first one I'm going to bring up is from 1976. Uh, This is a film that's actually kind of looked at as a horror classic. And believe it or not, this is a first time watch for me. I had never seen this film before. Yeah, oh, Bill and Ted. <laughs> Don't hate me, horror fans, but uh, for the first time, I watched The Town That Dreaded Sundown this week. Yes, the original from 1976. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I got to say, 
This is a weird movie for me. I, 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 I'm, I'll be flat honest. This is a little bit of a spoiler because we haven't actually discussed 1976 on the, the summer series yet, but uh, I figured I'll give you a little preview. Um, believe it or not, I, I did not love this movie. Um, it, it really comes off feeling a lot like a police procedural. And one of the biggest factors for me is the narration. Now, I usually like narration genuinely. And, and the narration in this movie isn't bad. I'm not saying that the narration is bad. But what I'm saying is this movie will have a scene where they'll be where the killer that a pretty awesome looking killer, very, you know, Jason Voorhees from Friday Part Two with the sack on his head. Um, and then in the middle of a scene of him stalking a couple in the woods, a narrator will come up and just start narrating the scene. And it just completely takes you out of it because as horror fans, we're not used to narration in our tense scenes, you know? Um, usually the scene, uh, the tension of the scene will kind of drive itself. It's not like I need a narrator there telling me what to do. So with the inclusion of the narrator and a lot of police procedural throughout this movie, it's really hard for me to look at it as a horror classic, quote unquote. IMDb doesn't even call it horror. They call it crime drama, um, which is kind of what I'm going to classify it as. I would probably say crime drama with some horror elements because there are some great horror scenes in here. Um, there's an awesome scene with Dawn Wells, who we remember as Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Her scene was actually really cool, you know, the really tense, scary, bloody Um but yeah, overall, this is a weird movie. And especially if for those who don't know, this isn't much of a spoiler because, of course, the town, the dreaded sundown is based on a real life killer, the killer of Texarkana, um, who was, you know, I believe in the mid 40s was taking people out. Killer. The phantom killer of Texarkana. Exactly. Um, and for those who don't know, he was never caught. He or she was never caught. The killer was never caught, which kind of leaves you with a sour taste at the end of this movie, because it's a horror movie where the villain doesn't get any repercussion whatsoever. So, you know, even though it, it definitely comes off more like a docudrama than a horror film. Let's go with that. I'm going to say docudrama. Now, the film itself is actually still really good. Very watchable. We got some great performances. Um, uh, you know, Charles Pierce is in here. Ben Johnson. Uh, some, some really cool performances um, on both ends of the spectrum. You know, people that you like, people that you hate. But I, I, I am going to vehemently argue the horror classic title that this movie has gotten. It is a great film. I can't look at it as horror. What do you guys think? I'm going to assume you both have seen it. Mike has not seen it. Eyes. The house that dreaded sundown. The, the town, town that dreaded sundown. The town that dreaded sundown. I mean, I, I I've seen it a long time ago, but I tend to agree with what you're saying about it. Not the most horror movie that gets mentioned on horror like lists or podcasts or whatever. But also not a bad movie. It's just. Yeah, I'd have to watch exactly. it again. It's it's been so long. Yeah, it's a because I actually did this as a special with a Charles B. Pierce's other two movies that he did that were kind of in like this category where uh, he did Legend of Boggy Creek first, which mm-hmm. you could tell this from the same guy who did Boggy Creek because the same narrator narrates that movie. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I actually really love the score. Like, the main theme to Town of the Dreaded Sundown is kind of haunting in that aspect, or it has, like, a great iconic score. And, yeah, well, I, it's a tough one, because, you know, is it horror? 
Well, it's fucking, you know, we, we, we have like true crime horror movies too, I guess in that sense. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to say that because I'm actually on that episode too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I didn't so want to it's say t- too much, but yeah. You know, in that sense, but you know, but uh, yeah, I'll save my thoughts for there. You know, I, I, well, we'll talk about more about it later. Definitely. So, like I said, overall, a really good movie. It is a good movie, well worth watching. Don't think that I'm shitting on the movie by any stretch. What I'm, what the only thing that I'm arguing is its title as a horror classic. I've heard about this movie for just decades. Uh, it even got a remake uh, sometime in the 2010s. Sequel. Sequel. Uh, oh, sequel. Oh, direct sequel. Go figure. So the actual um, kid. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about it on the show. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I never saw the sequel, obviously, either. So, um, but yeah, like I said, good movie. Um, horror tag. Well, I'm going to leave that up to, to the individual, but it is so well worth watching. Though I'm going to say if you're looking for an awesome, you know, uh, kind of uh down home horror film from this time period, I'd say uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow would be a way better option than this one. It just this this movie at times reminded me of Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, but that one just you know made me so much happier. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, but this it had spark plug in it. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, definitely watch it. It's worth a watch. Spark plug and drag. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, Mike. <laughs> all right, Derek. What do you got? Hmm. Yeah, like Venom said, I haven't really been watching a lot of shit. Let's just put it that way. What I've been watching is good. Unfortunately, it's kind of hard for me to talk about all of it here in this place. But, you know, I'm I'm talking about a show I've been checking out on fucking uh, Netflix. uh, Control-Z, I just finished the first season, eight-episode season, Spanish show. Yeah, it, it, it's more thriller than horror. There's like a mystery involved where, you know, it's about this girl, Sophia, who's uh, trying to find out who the hacker is. And the hacker is one that's like been able to hack into everyone's phone system and the Wi-Fi of the school. And, and it's revealing secrets. And, you know, like, for example, like the first secret is the most popular girl in school ends up being a transgender and no one knew. And like they reveal like he used to be a boy and that he she has a boyfriend. He's like, What? You didn't tell me? <laughs> like it's fucking crazy in that sense. And you know, it's like high school drama antics amped up to like nine hundred but in Spain <laughs> it's fucking great. Or Mexico. I think it's a Mexican show. But you know what I mean. But uh you know, this teenage angst and drama mixed with, like, a cool, like, thriller mystery storyline. I'm kind of digging it after, you know, we find out who the hacker is in episode seven. And then it goes into the finale, which ends in fucking chaos and madness. Then season two is picking up where that left off. And, you know, it's a new mystery, new villain, and more drama. <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh, I recommend it if you more into like the mystery thriller side of things. Yeah, I say check it out. Nice. I'll I'll check out a couple episodes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Netflix tends to hit a lot. I I kind of feel like on their shows almost on their series they hit more <laughs> than their movies a lot of the times. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so for me, the first one up I got is a movie from... It was actually released earlier this year, but I, I just kind of noticed it uh, browsing for 2022 stuff. Because I'm kind of in that mode where we're, we're a little more than halfway done with the year. I'm... I'm constantly having like my top 10 in mind and I'm just like searching for stuff that isn't, you know, that's going to like blow me away. Now did this one blow me away? No, but I thought it was decent enough. And, uh, this is called crawl space. Now I was informed when I was asking people about it. There's like tons of movies with this name. So yeah, like the Klaus Kinski movie. <laughs> yeah. To be specific, this one, uh, is from director L. Gustavo Cooper, starring Henry Thomas, who everybody knows. Um, and yeah, I think it was like it was like in the <laughs> spring of this year that it was released, and uh, so it's currently available. And basically, the setup is uh, Henry Thomas. He's he's living out in the wilderness. Uh, kind of in the woods and uh, you know times are tough so he's taking kind of like these side odd jobs and he goes to do like a refurbish on a house and uh, while he's like up there working in the crawl space something starts happening a situation in the house and of course they find out that he's he's there and uh criminals don't like witnesses so it kind of becomes a cat and mouse game with him and the bad guys and uh yeah i thought this one was decent enough it's sitting on imdb it's sitting at a 4.7 which i would say is kind of low um it's i mean there's only like 298 total reviews so i think first off just many people haven't even seen this like i said i didn't even know it existed i just kind of randomly came across it when i was browsing but, you know, I, I thought it was uh, decent enough. Uh, will it be on a top ten list? Probably not, but I still think it's it's worth watching in the EverQuest of finding uh, 2022s to fill out a top ten. Not to say there's not plenty more stuff releasing, because there is, but uh, I always have that in my mind. I don't know if it's I'm getting older, my patience is just lowering for, like, a lot of VOD stuff, but... Yeah, that is what it is. But I would say everyone check out Crawl Space. There's some good elements to it. Uh, there is some good tension there. Maybe some people call it more thriller, but I, I think it does enough to establish yourself in the horror genre. So Crawl Space 2022. I'm assuming neither of you have seen it. Is that correct? Oh, no. <laughs> nope. If it, ain't, if it ain't on Fresh Cuts, I haven't seen it in the last month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, this one... Looking at the IMD, IMDb, the official release date was March 31st, so it's it's out there, filmed in Canada. Not a shock, now that I think back to the movie, but uh, yeah, maple yeah. syrup in it. I'm sure there were maple trees <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> all right, back to you, Venom. All right, well. Obviously, this one's going to be another uh, summer series movie. This one's not going to be a preview because this comes from an episode that I believe was already released this week. Um, And this is from 1982. Um, For those who don't know, I am a gigantic Lucio Fulci fan. Um, A lot of people (laughs) there. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, And Recently, you know, we talked about this during our 1982 discussion on the summer series, which also has a uh, Dario Argento classic, Tenebrae, 
uh, in that same year. So we had a little bit of a discussion about that. But I, I am one of the few people who probably prefers this movie over Argento's Tenebrae. And this is, of course, the New York Ripper. This is a movie that I actually hadn't, before the summer series, I hadn't watched this in almost 20 years. And I had forgotten how much I fucking love this movie. Yes, I am a gigantic fan of this movie. The quacking killer. (laughs) You have no idea why this guy is quacking throughout the entire movie until we get to the end. And it's actually kind of a sweet explanation. Um, It makes them somewhat, I I mean... uh, it's not like it's going to make him an anti-hero or someone that you will actually like, but when you actually find out why he's quacking and kind of more about the, the killer's backstory, it makes him a mildly sympathetic character. And I mean, incredibly mildly, just very mildly. Um, this is also, I mean, in general, this is a great Giallo style slasher with a very heart wrenching ending. Like this ending is actually one of the more, you know, kind of moving endings of an Italian giallo that I've ever seen. So I don't want to say too much about it because we very much go in depth on this in the episode on uh podcast under the stairs, summer series, Derek was actually there with me. So he got to discuss this movie in detail as well. So I'm going to go ahead and ask Mike then if he has seen the New York killer. And I want to know from Mike, why he thinks Fulci is better than Argento. <laughs> Um, it's another one I haven't seen in a while, but <laughs> I remember liking it. Um, now to your second question, is Fulci, did you say is Fulci better than Argento? Or yes, yeah. No, I said, I said to explain to me why you think Fulci's better than Argento, because you obviously do because you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting words in your mouth, Mike. I mean, uh, I know it's like a very common comparison but i feel like their styles are totally different i would i say fulci's i don't know if i could say fulci's better but i tend to like pretty much everything fulci's done <laughs> well no i can't even say that but i like i just like the italian gore style very much so uh, it's but it's like when i try to find something detracting by either one i'm like but then i can't really say i don't like Argento's style. Uh, I, I I would say Fulci's probably more accessible, though, to wider audiences, wouldn't you say? Because other than the extreme gore, it's like I don't feel there's many barriers to it. If, you, if you're if you down with gore, Fulci, I think you would I, I have no time that. diving into. There's a bunch of toe molestations in New York Ripper. <laughs> the toe molestation, <laughs> Jesus. And three-fingered red herrings, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just trying to judge people's reaction to like uh, Argento. A lot yeah. of people find it like boring or just hard to like pay attention to. Whereas Fulci, it's like you're either but Fulci has Bob or the gore or not. Mama, I, I mean. Obviously, I was half joking, Mike. I, I am a Fulci fan. I prefer Fulci over Argento, but I think the common mentality in the horror genre is that Argento is, you know, maybe the more accomplished director. Most Why people. Argento is like an auteur, like artist, where Fulci's yes. like a gutter. Like he's great at it, but like that the gutter. Point I made on the on the summer series. Holy shit! Argento is more stylized, more polished. You know, definitely more. 
Um, Argento films are more for cinephiles, true cinephiles. Fulci films are dirty. They're downright gritty. I mean, to compare Tenebrae to New York Ripper, which only came out a few months apart from each other, they're two just completely different movies. Even though you you would lump them both into the giallo subgenre, they're very different movies, and I appreciate that. So yeah, I, I do still love Argento. Don't get it twisted, yeah. folks. Argento's fucking great. Suspiria is in my top ten all time. Even though I prefer Fulci, and Fulci doesn't have a, a movie in my top ten all time horror, and and Argento does. Yeah, I just I am a Fulci nice. fan. That's you know I I just prefer the man. You know I like my zombies. Yeah. I like my gore. I like my old dirty New York. I mean to watch the New York Ripper. It's like a love letter for someone like me who actually grew up in or around old New York. I mean, New York in the 70s and 80s was a whole nother animal than what it is now. And that's another kind of topic that we go into in the summer series. So, yeah, check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I quack a lot. Yes. And we all quack a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, back to you, Derek. Yeah. Let's see. Uh yeah, I'm not going to talk about any summer series movies because I'm going to save it. Damn you, Venom. I know. I just, it's all I've been watching. I don't know what else to talk about. Yeah. Fucking, uh, what did I watch today recently? Oh, yeah. I watched The Incredible Shrinking Man. Uh, I got the Criterion. And, and, uh, yeah, that transfer is amazing. I was like blown away by it. It looks so good. It's like, wow, for like an older movie. I was like, this is nuts. You know, the Incredible Shrinking Man, it's a story about a man who, while on a boat with his wife, gets exposed to, like, this weird cloud of radiation, and and he begins to shrink over, like, weeks. And, you know, it's kind of the cool, like, the way the effects are done with this one, where, you know, he's, you know, he's self-imposed. It's kind of the same thing where they did kind of... He looks like a little hobbit walking around and shit in one scene, like when he's walking in the park and he befriends him. A, a little person, you know, they have dinner, like, because he's, like, the same height. But then all of a sudden, she's taller than him. And he's like, oh, my God, it's begun again. And it goes a ball out to, like... You know, he's just living in a dollhouse, getting attacked by a cat. He's stuck in the cellar, and his biggest enemy is a spider. And it ends on, like, this great dark note. And, you know, when I saw that Richard Matheson wrote this, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. This feels like a very long Twilight Zone episode with, with a fucking great end. And it's fucking great. And, you know, directed by Jack Arnold, who... You know, me and Mr. Venom will probably talk about a lot of his movies on our other show, like Creature from the Black Lagoon. It came from outer space, like a tarantula. Fucking, yeah, I love all that dude's movies. Even did that weird black exploitation western with Fred Williamson called Boss N word. Nice. Yeah. I've never actually seen The Incredible Shrinking Man. Um, I've heard so many great things about it, but never got around to watching it. So yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll try to find it, see if it's streaming anywhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, it sounds interesting. It, it's something I've always been interested in, you know, uh, people shrinking or growing, you know, the 50 foot woman, shit like that. It's always been, you know, as far as like the 50s and 60s era, I used to love movies like that. Um, Village of the Giants was like a lesser known one where yeah. four teenagers actually turned into. Yeah, giants. the Bird Eye Gordon. Yeah. Yes, 
Thank you. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to check this out. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, my, actually, I was say pick up the Criterion while it's on sale. It's like you know, twenty bucks. You can't go wrong. Nice Barnes and Noble sales. That's when you pick those shits up. You know, Mike, have you seen the Incredibles? No, but I think I need to because it sounds like it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good for a movie from 1957. You know, you know some of the effects kind of we probably would say are dated, but you know, for like me who loves like these type of movies that involve like atomic age, shit, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Okay, well, next up, from, so, uh, so something I had on my list was completing Stranger Things Season 4, but now it's been so long, it's like probably everyone's already talked about it all they need to. Well, we haven't but, talked uh, about it. We haven't talked yeah, about it. Yeah, I know we I haven't. haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still two episodes behind. I just watched episode seven last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching like eight different shows at once, and I don't like to binge, as, as I've already discussed, so... It takes me forever to get through series. Yeah. I haven't started this, The Boys Season 3 or um, Only Murders in the Building Season 2. Like, I am so behind on my shows. It's yeah. Ridiculous. And, you know, it's usually me that I never, you know, actually with my new shift, I've been actually watching a lot more TV because I usually never watch TV. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and she, my sister actually got me back into Stranger Things because I, I actually did think that this season was better than Season 3. Oh, I 100% agree. I'm like I said, I got two episodes left, and this is probably my favorite season. I fucking Vecna is awesome. I love the whole concept of your favorite song. You know, the way that they utilize the the, the your favorite Kate Bush, song yeah. thing. That's oh, so I good. fucking love it. And I, I, the thing, and the the finale's practically been spoiled to me already. I've already had at least twenty to thirty of my metalhead friends tell me, "Dude, you gotta see the final episode of Stranger Things." Yeah, that episode's it. the same length as fucking Avengers Endgame. It's nuts. That's what I heard. Yeah, every episode this season, two is like over an hour and 20 minutes. Like the shortest one is like an hour and 10 or something. It's crazy. Yeah. I love it. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm down. So, yeah, I'll finish it soon enough and get back to you with my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. How about fucking Freddy Krueger, though, is Vecna's dad? Oh, right? awesome. That was one of his best non-Freddy roles in fucking years. And he's and it's, and it's playing the father of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thank you. He's playing the father of Freddy Krueger. That's awesome. No, this I even though it's only one scene, by far probably the best non-Freddy thing he's done in well over 10, 15 years. I fucking loved it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Robert England, um, represent, yo. Well, without spoiling, I'll just say by the end of season four is my favorite since the first season because I had started declining like my interest in the show over the second and third season where I wasn't even necessarily that excited for the fourth season, but a few episodes in and I was like, okay, they've kind of rebounded and done some of the stuff I really liked about the first season yep. or about the show since yeah, the first season. Yeah. I fucking cried. I never did that for stranger things. I'm like, oh, wow. I got to get some hankies ready. Get my tissues yeah. ready. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I I do like the new characters. I guess I think oh, far enough yeah. into I've noticed. Yeah, there you said yeah. you have two episodes left. Yep. Even though those two episodes is like what three and a half, four hours exactly. Content, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, 
I, yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to save a detailed conversation. Yeah, we'll have to time. save it when you actually watch it because you know there's a, one scene I want to talk about with you, Venom. I, I figure, yeah. Um, by next episode, guaranteed, I'll be done. All right. Okay, cool. So, what do you got a blast for us? All right. Um, it's been a while since anyone's brought a video game to the table, so I figured um, I finally picked up a new horror game recently. I think it's the same one that lots of us are playing. No, it's not Evil Dead the game. Sorry, folks. I did not pick that one up. I think I got my fill of that gameplay style with Friday the 13th. So I'll see where DLC goes with Evil Dead on if I decide to buy it. Um, but the game I'm talking about comes to us from Supermassive Games. They are the creators of the Until Dawn series. So, of course, the game I'm speaking of now is The Quarry. Um, this is an interactive drama horror video game, as I mentioned, developed by Supermassive Games. It's published by 2K. It is uh, basically a third-person action game. Um, it's very much a uh, quick-time event game where it's kind of like Heavy Rain. If anybody played Heavy Rain on the PlayStation 4, um, Dragon's Lair, if you remember Dragon's Lair from the, from the, uh, the arcades back in the 80s where it was just action-reaction. It's basically the exact same game that you're getting here. Of course, it is uh, wrapped around a horror storyline, of course. Basically, a group of friends is spending uh, their last day at a quarry. I think it's called Hackett's Quarry, if I remember correctly. Um, they're spending their last day at Hackett's Quarry. The following morning, um, their vehicle has been sabotaged by someone, and they are forced to stay one additional night. And, of course, during that night is when the shit hits the fan. Now... The concept of these kind of games I've always been on, on board for because anybody who's listened to me for a long time knows how much I hate stupid character decisions in horror films. I hate when stupid characters do stupid shit and just make me roll my eyes because it totally takes me out of the experience. I instantly start to hate the movie. So I was hoping that a game like this would make me uh, would give me the opportunity to make my characters a little bit more intelligent, maybe act a little bit more like I might in a horror situation. And folks, uh, it is uh, it's unfortunate that I have to report that. Nope, you're still going to be having a lot of stupid characters in the movie. One early example is there is a um, there's a character, a main character, one of the characters that you're playing where you have to do something to sabotage a situation. And the only options that they give you are to sabotage it one way or to sabotage it another way. I, being a kind of an older horror fan, I would like to see a third option where I don't fucking sabotage it, you know, where I don't act like an asshole and I could potentially, you know, um, not end up being the douchebag of the movie, if you will, or of the video game. But nope, you're still going to be dealing with a lot of stupid characters doing stupid things, which, like I said, this was one of the alluring things about this game is that I thought I was going to be able to avoid that shit. I figured they would give you the option of doing something stupid, like, you know, more horror movie related or to do something a little bit more intelligent to, you know, uh, whatever the case may be. But yeah, unfortunately now, the game itself is great. If you like action-reaction games, quick-time event games, then you're going to love this game. It looks gorgeous. It's got some cool dialogue. If you're a fan of, of slasher movies from the 80s and 90s, then, yeah, you're going to be familiar with a lot of the characters. Not by name, but, like, you know what I mean, the, the hierarchy, you know, the, the hot chick, the jock, the asshole, the douchebag, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, the, the other really cool thing about this game and one of the, the selling points is the fact that it has an ensemble cast in this game. Like, I mean, you've got David Arquette in here. You've got Ted Raimi, Ariel Winter, Lance Hendrickson. Um, Lynn Shea makes an appearance. I mean, we've got a lot of horror heavyweights in here. So for people like us who are hardcore horror fans and gamers, I would 100% recommend this game, even though there's still a few little things that I might tweak um, to, in, to maybe enhance my personal experience. I still think most horror horror movie fans are going to be into this if you're a gamer. Um, unfortunately, the QuickTime event gameplay style does get boring after a while, so you kind of have to rely on the story of the movie to keep your attention, which for the most part it does. And uh, another cool thing about the Supermassive games that you guys may not know if you've never played one is that in these style of games, when a character dies, they are dead. They're dead for the rest of the game. You cannot bring them back. So the cool thing about these style of games is that um, there's a there's like a hundred different potential endings that you could get based on who survives the movie all the way from everyone survives to just the final girl survives. And hell, there's probably an ending even if the final girl you know ends up dying. If there is a final girl, I haven't actually gotten to the end of the game yet. So. Um, the long and the short of it is, if you're a horror fan, a horror movie fan, and you're also a gamer, go ahead and check this game out. It's beautiful. It sounds great. It's just a matter of if the gameplay is going to keep your attention or not, or if the, if the stupid decisions maybe um, sour your experience a little bit. Um, I'm going to assume, uh, Derek and Mike, you guys haven't played it yet? Not yet. Yeah. Um, I was pretty close to buying it but what is keeping me is the ps5 is supposed to be releasing the, their new vr pretty soon right. and i'm still waiting I'm to pretty, fucking buy a ps5 <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure because i want to say until dawn got a vr version on ps4 when ps4's vr was available so i'm kind of thinking a similar thing is going to happen because i'm really done with like buying games and then rebuying them for like, Mm -hmm. Oh, now it's in this aspect ratio or now we've added this feature. So because it totally looks like a game I would love playing. I I really liked until dawn. I was Mm -hmm. all about it. Um, but then of course, like when a VR version came out and there was no offer to like, okay, pay like another 10, 15 bucks and you can unlock this version. I probably would have done that, but it's like, I don't want to rebuy the game at 60, 70, whatever the hell it is now, you know? So I'm trying to hold out, wait for the PS5 VR to get an official release date and see what games are included in that list. Because if, uh, the quarry is one of them, I'm a hundred percent getting it. Yeah, man, the the $70 price tag for brand new games on this generation really is a little bit of a hindrance for me. Like this, this generate, we're a year, we're over a year into this current generation with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S. And I think I own like three games. And that's crazy because the first year of a new console generation is when I buy the most games because, you know, I'm all excited about the new console, new controller, new graphics, things like that. But also, maybe it's just that I'm old, too. I, ha- I I am older than I've ever been. That's how age works. I understand. But, uh, yeah, I just have not bought as many games for this generation. Um, plus, uh, I don't have the 
PlayStation disk drive version. I have the download version. Mm. So when I buy a game, that's it. It's 70 bucks. Like there's no trade in option. Like, you know, at least with my Xbox, I got the Series X. I can still trade in games to GameStop and Best Buy and whatnot. But with the PlayStation, it's like I got to be really meticulous about what game I'm going to buy because that's 70 bucks I'll never get back. So, you know, we'll see. Unfortunately, you, that was- uh- Go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, did you uh, upgrade your PS Plus to the premium? No, no, just the regular, uh, because I got Xbox uh, Game Pass, so. Yeah. I can't can't justify spending that much on all these different premium services. Yeah, I just can't wait to just buy an actual fucking PlayStation. This is fucking bullshit. If I find the disk drive one, I'll sell you my hard drive one cheap. Because <laughs> I'm still looking yeah. too. I, I do want to disk drive one eventually, and you know, money's not an object. It's just a matter of finding one. Yeah, they're like, like fucking cocaine. You can't fucking find them. Hell, I can find cocaine easier than a PlayStation Five right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say if you're super trying to get one, your best bet is to like save the extra money and go. I've been waiting handle, fucking those two ones years. Happen to, well, bundles are the ones that happen to stick around longer just because they're more money. <laughs> but uh, that's what I did when I when I got I mine because buy bundles, it was it's impossible. Yeah, my friend, yeah, just, one of my friends just bought one like she was trying to get one since launch day as well. And she just now got it. So, you know, I, I understand the struggle. Even on the I, I worked, you I worked fucking the wait until they call you. It's fucking bullshit. No, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'm lucky. Like I said, I, I, I worked for 11 years in the video game industry, so I still kind of have connections there. So I actually I know people at Sony and Microsoft, not to say that they're getting me free consoles, but they're getting me kind of moved up on the list when a new console comes out. So that's kind of nice. So, um, but yeah, yeah. My, my situation is just that I work from home. So I followed a bunch of accounts that track them. And the minute they would say, OK, such and such online store has them i would be like right there on the computer to like try to be one of the people and eventually got to my shopping cart and actually let me do it so i was like i was still even skeptical because i think it was gamestop that i got the bundle from and Mm -hmm. there were reports of like oh even people that that got the transaction to go through like 20 minutes later you would get an email saying sorry out of stock so i was like worried until i got the shipping confirmation and i was like okay i'm good to go (laughs) but uh as as far as premium goes here's my thoughts on it the reason i did the upgrade is because i wanted to get the game stray when it came out like this was like a week or two ago and the game itself was like 30 bucks so i looked up um if if you upgrade your PlayStation Plus account, it basically it'll it'll tabulate how many months you have left on your current sub and kind of give you a prorated amount. And uh, it was fifty bucks to upgrade, but since since I only renewed in June, it's basically fifty bucks for the whole year. So I was like, okay, that's only twenty more bucks than it would be to buy Stray by itself. Um, so I was like, fuck it, I'll just spend the extra twenty bucks now. <laughs> now so far from what I've seen. Here, here's what I would say for someone 20 years younger than me that with the access to all the vaults of all these games for free and heavily discounted, it's a hundred percent worth it. If you're just a gamer that, you know, the, the minute you rise in the day, other than maybe when you're working a job or whatever, that you could just get to play video games. I have a hard time arguing against its value. Will I renew the premium? I don't know because even with access to all that, I, I don't think I could even have the time to justify even no. playing the games. Now, 
I guess we would say I have until summer 2023 to see how much bigger my kids become of gamer of gamers because if if they are utilizing it because I still have a working PS4 as well so it counts like you can put you know download games for either one of them so if if uh, they start to get into like the bigger games like that and aren't so much more Switch and like Chromebook gamers mm-hmm. uh, I I might say it's worth keeping around. But it's really a hundred something for the whole year is not that much when you break down the monthly yeah. cost. It's just you have to justify the time, you know. Uh, for me, it's not even about the time because I I know I'm going to play a lot of games. Well, I, 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 I don't have. I subscribe to. Well, yeah, there's that. But I mean, as far as like when I upgraded to Xbox Game Pass, for me it was more about day one exclusives. Um, games that I was going to be buying anyway, like Halo. Halo was a day one uh, release on Xbox Game Pass. Halo is one of my favorite franchises. It was guaranteed I was going to spend $70 on day one to get Halo, but because it was on Xbox Game Pass, boom, 70 bucks I saved right there. So now, you know, for the 120 a year, I, I'm already, you know, I, I'm only in for 50 now because I just saved 70 bucks. And then Forza, Forza Horizon 5 was another game that was day one exclusive. That's another 70 bucks I saved. And boom, right there, Xbox Game Pass is paid for. And that's not even counting the other 200 games a month that you have to choose from. So, yeah, in my, for my money personally... You know, even if you don't have a lot of free time, if you're just a heavy gamer and you like a lot of different styles of game, you know, I like driving, I like shooting, I like fighting. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not just playing RPGs like my wife. Sorry, honey, but yeah, she all she plays is <laughs> RPGs. It's crazy. Um, but at least I found a gamer to marry. So, I, you know, I, I'm still a lucky man. So hell yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, for me, Game Pass is 100% worth it. Um, you can get it for fifteen ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine a month, uh, but that also includes Xbox Live. So it's not like you're just getting the service. You're, you're getting your internet hookup. I, I'm sure it's just like pr- uh, PlayStation Plus Premium. Um, you know, you're getting your 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 online connectivity, your multiplayer gaming, and access to all those extra games. So I, I think it's well worth the money, especially if you're a parent and you don't want to buy your kid a seventy dollar game every fucking month. Get Xbox Game Pass. There's going to be enough on there to keep them busy for years, I assure you. Yeah. And, and they add stuff every month. Every month they add at least four more games. So well worth the money. How the hell did we get into a video game conversation? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Mike started it. He fucking sucks. Man, I did not start it. It started with the quarry, I think. Uh, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> I didn't bring up consoles. <laughs> it was all Mike. Yeah, I'll blame Mike regardless. <laughs> All right. Well, now we get to blame Derek for his last uh, round of what we watched. So what do you got, Derek? Uh, uh, yeah, I got a shot on video movie from the early 90s called Savage Harvest, which uh, the directorial debut of Eric Stanzi or Stanzi. I forget. He's a indie director that I know from the circles. Uh directed a few movies that I've seen. Uh, and yeah, Savage Harvest is a Sharon video kind of evil dead ripoff, but it's fucking awesome because it's gory as all fuck. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like it actually uses like some uh, subtext to why the shit that's happened in the movie is going on because it takes place during like some floods that were happening in that area when it was filmed. 
So that was an interesting aspect of the movie that I liked. It's pretty much takes place in like a summer camp that used to be like a, this Indian burial ground where this demon was slain and the demon cursed like this elder Native American's family. And uh, it's his ancestor actually comes back to the camp and awakens the demon. Everyone starts getting possessed and fucking all hell ensues, gore galore. And, you know, it has like this weird tribal music playing throughout it. It's, it's pretty great. It's actually one of the better shot on video movies I ever seen. It actually, you know, had okay performances in it for what it was, you know. If you've seen a shot on a video movie, you're not actually looking for performances in that section. <laughs> you know. But you know, it actually you know, it only runs seventy two minutes, so it's not like a chore to get through either. Some of these like indie movies, that's the main problem is sometimes they're way too long. And this one's breezy. It just runs and does what it does. And it's pretty great. It's actually a because it's actually the Blu ray release of this movie. Actually, has a great documentary that uh, takes place uh, at the Mohanan Drive-In, which is actually in uh, you know our friend JP and Carly's area. That's actually the drive-in they go to all the time. And it was pretty great when they played it like live and like v- I think it's called VHS Fest that they have there. And Eric Stanzi actually gets interviewed, and it's like a you know step-by-step like documentary on you know going to the event, meeting the fans, then, you know, the big night where the movie plays. So it was kind of a cool documentary that I dug, and it's a good release. And, yeah, Savage Harvest, one of my favorite genre video movies, and I'm kind of shocked that I own a Blu-ray of it, because that's just fucking crazy to think you own Blu-rays of shot on video movies. And, you know, at first I was like, the transfer can't be different, right? And then I compared it, because I have the old DVD. It actually does... And, you know, it looks pretty cleaned up from whatever fucking print they had. You know, it's, it's transferred from VHS, so it's not going to look like... You're not going to see, like, a pristine, like, transfer, like, say, like a usual, like, movie, per se. But I was, like, kind of shocked, like, oh, this actually looks cool and fucking awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Savage Harvest, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I need to see it. Have you seen it, Venom? No, no. My my shot on video knowledge is very lacking. Same. Mm. <laughs> I've I've been directed to watch specific ones by certain people for different reasons, but just my overall like uh, experience with it is lacking as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, like most of what I as far as shot on video is like a lot of the trauma stuff, you know, rabid grannies and shit like that. Redneck zombies is one that I kind of liked. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Father's day. Father's day was one that I saw recently that actually was really fucking gory and violent. It's a, it's a ridiculous over the top movie um, with an attempt at uh, computer generated effects, but it is shot on video. It's it's, I wouldn't say it's good so much as it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Mike? What, 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 name one did you see? Redneck Zombies was one of the first ones I saw from the video store. I think it was like a random... I think we just randomly rented it because of the, uh, the cover. It looked pretty cool. And wasn't it Troma, too? I thought? Yeah, Redneck yeah, Troma, yeah, Troma. Troma, Troma released that, yeah. 
Yeah, might have been my first trauma besides um, uh, Toxic Avenger because that's kind of like the uh, Toxic Avenger. My dad showed me <laughs> like he's like, oh, come watch this movie. And uh, I didn't even know trauma specifically was a thing at the time. Uh, um, so I think that's uh, Toxic Avenger is kind of what got the ball, ball rolling, which I, I probably for that age group, you know, it wasn't it's not a surprise that that's the movie that introduced me to trauma but it it also wasn't the easiest to find you were kind of at the mercy of like what did your vhs store carry and if it was a big chain vhs store they're gonna have a lot less but redneck zombies seemed to be like the one that there was at least like one copy in all the places around here so definitely uh that one and uh, i think parker had me watch one dave parker (laughs) which is world yeah was that that shot on video i think so yeah that was madness. <laughs> yeah, it's from the, the the actor who's in Things. Uh, directed yeah, I that. still haven't a hundred percent forgiven him for it, but uh, <laughs> that day will come. Oh, we should make him watch Things. Oh, he he, he had me watch it and like record an audio review of it. And send it. <laughs> was Cannibal the Musical shot on video? No, no, that's a that's film. Su- okay. su- Super Eight or Super sixteen eight, millimeter. Okay. Yeah, it's weird because even like. Movies that I thought were shot on video, like fucking uh, Killing Spree, were actually shot on 16 millimeter. Yeah, but, but they were transferred from VHS. That's why they look like that that they do now in like new releases. I'm like so, oh yeah, that's con- it's kind of confusing. <laughs> you know, it was like fucking. Uh, if if you like trauma, Mike, you have to watch Blades. Blades. Blades is Jaws on a golf course with a killer lawnmower. <laughs> wow, that sounds amazing. Or does trauma do, does trauma have any type of like uh, <coughs> channel? Like you know how like Full Moon, it's like all their shit yes. on Tubi. Does trauma have one, like that? Oh, oh. As far as a part, like a streaming partnership, no. Trauma does have their own service. Um, you know, they they have their own streaming service. I forget how I looked into it when it first came out. Um, I wasn't real happy with the library, so I didn't get it. Maybe I'll check it out again. Maybe the library's gotten a little bit bigger. But, yeah, there actually is a Troma streaming app. Um, I, I don't know where you can stream Troma movies aside from that. Was uh, was the lack of library rights issues or just their lack of capacity to be able to, like, throw everything on there? Or? Yeah, yeah, because their first app was really broken. Like, it, it was really more uh, of an experiment. Uh, it, it, I, I hope it's get it's gotten better now, but... Uh, because it's been out a few, it's been out like what four or five years at this point. But uh, maybe I'll look it up there, again. There's so many specialized services. Like I almost want to mess around and get a, a sub to this one call. It's not horror, but it's called Hi Ya, <laughs> and it's like a ah, martial ah, arts. I've seen that. Because I keep getting ads for it, and like every single movie that's advertised, of course, you know they're probably advertising the best they have to offer, of course. But still, it's like there's enough ads with enough cool looking movies. That it's like I might not have seen the movie they're advertising, but I've seen like one of the actors or more in other movies, and I'm like, damn, like I, I need to look into this and see how much it is. But that's how the, sh- the 
that's how these ads get you because you end up signing up and it's like you watch something right away but then once like you kind of shut it down it's like mm-hmm. now when do i have time to actually come back to this because i already have so many subs and most of these apps i tell you i barely even open it's like why am i even subbed and then like one show or movie comes along where it's like oh you need this app for it and you're like fucked yeah um, it's nowadays though with the streaming apps, they'll let you look at the library without subscribing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know Peacock and Paramount do that. I think Netflix does that as well. So I mean, that's the nice thing. I actually grabbed a free streaming streaming app last week called Halloween Plus. That's literally what it's called, Halloween Plus, and it's just the silliest horror streaming app I've ever seen. It's like the most popular movies on this app are the public domain ones. Night of the Living Dead, Dementia 13, you know, the movies that you see in every single compilation of like 50 horror movies. That's mm-hmm. like the best shit on the app. It's it, granted it's free, but I, I just I, I literally I'm flipping through this, looking at all these movie titles that I've never fucking heard of, like just ridiculous indie horror you know, I, I can't even think of some of the titles. Some of them were fucking downright funny. But, yeah, literally, I had never heard of anything on there. Um, but it is free. So, I mean, if, if you're oh, looking for obscure horror, <laughs> I guess check it out. Oh, if you're <laughs> curious, my Blades is on Peacock. Oh, nice. Oh, it is. Well, I have Peacock. Nice. Well, that's good because I was literally just about to say, I don't even know why I have Peacock. <laughs> oh, I have Peacock for Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live is one of my favorite shows ever, and all 45 seasons are on Peacock. So I absolutely and all the, have on it. all the ECDW shit. That's why, yeah. Oh, and then yeah, see, poker. So, yeah. <laughs> I have reasons for all my streaming services. Yeah. yeah. I, I was like. The the only reason I knew for sure that I might have initially got Peacock is because they had a few like theatrical same day VOD D releases. Uh, we all we all got Peacock right around the same time for Halloween Kills. Okay, probably that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think, not that I was terribly interested, but I think the Firestarter remake they did that too. I, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, has, has anyone? Have you guys ever had Screenbox? Because like they have yes, the no. freaking It documentary on there. I have no idea how Screenbox I like, got it because it would seem like that's big enough where, Shutter. if not Shutter, then like Netflix or something would want to grab it. Yeah, I had Screenbox before I had Shutter because it was only like two. It was like three dollars a month or something when it first came out, and I figured, ah, how bad could it be? And before Shutter, it actually wasn't bad. Like they actually had a lot of the Friday the Thirteenth and uh, some of the bigger franchises. Um, obviously mostly it was independent stuff, but then once Shutter came out and once Shutter started getting all these streaming licenses, Screenbox's library kind of went to shit and they still do exist. I mean, I, I guess they're actually more popular now than they ever have been, but it just compared to Shutter, it's not even a comparison. I mean, it, yeah. it's night and day. I know. I, yeah, I know for sure. It's not like up to the par of Shutter. It's just weird because I, I hear screen. I hear about Screenbox a lot more now. Obviously, like the era you were initially talking about, kind of when they all were like young and brand new. Mm-hmm. I heard about it back then because it was like, okay, which one do I want? But then Shutter kind of like exerted their dominance over it, and then I stopped hearing about Screenbox. And I think there was like a couple other real lower oh, budget lot. ones. I, I then, was shocked when I looked it up the other day. There's a couple of dozen horror movie streaming services out there. It's amazing. Wow, yeah, they got the t- they got Tromer on here on Screenbox. Yep. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I've, I've been hearing about Three Marks a lot more lately, and I'm, I'm kind of interested to just go look at through, looking through what they had because I didn't think they were – assuming the It uh, documentary, that there isn't actually any type of – like a partnership, and it was just that Screenbox – put in the highest bid because otherwise i'm like i didn't think they were established enough to actually pull something like that that the bigger services would have interest in you know it's probably a screen box production they probably made it or at least had something to do with the production of it yeah i mean it would have to be hopefully oh, they, though it's just licensed for a certain amount of time and then wow it, they got an intro zombie on this i'm fucking canceling shutter and describing to this <laughs> <laughs> Does it say what the monthly is for Screenbox now? Is it like five bucks? Maybe I don't know. Let me find out. Because I mean, Shutter is still only what six ninety nine. I think it went to, so I couldn't imagine it being more than five or so. They're like it's five, but then you got to pay extra for the it documentary. <laughs> uh, well, I guess why we're finding out the price of Screenbox. My uh, last uh, one for what we watched. Well, something that's going to polarize people probably, and it's only three episodes in of what is, I guess, a 10-episode order, and that's uh, it's on HBO Max to just hit. I probably uh, – the only reason I really turn this on is because I – it was like the later in the night trying to come up with something that I can just kind of put on in the background, and it's the Pretty Little Liars slasher movie. Now, I don't know who's familiar with, like, the – Pretty Little Liars show. I'm barely familiar with it because my wife used to watch. I don't know what it was like. The block of programming I think on ABC Family was the Pretty Little Liars. I think Confessions of a Teenage. I don't know, <laughs> and you know all these like teen drama shows. So I'm assuming that the HBO Max one. It's uh, it's like an offshoot of that because from my understanding, there's no actual characters. From the show, this is like its own new thing, but just kind of following the format of teen drama. It, I would say, it's it almost feels like a feel, uh, feel, a, a feel street, a fear street type of thing, where it's a lot of homage to like '80s and '90s horror, like so many references thrown in, and it's centered around like uh, bullies that uh, drove a classmate to suicide, and oh, and there's a curse, some type of curse going on. <laughs> Where 22 years later, when those teenagers are parents, now there's something odd happening to the children of the bullies. So I I think the setup of the story is fine. It's just, man, it's one of those things where you have to be able to get over the trappings of a teen drama show because it, it, it doesn't spare you on that aspect of it. But so far, it's three episodes in. I, I like it enough to keep going. I just wonder... Is there enough here for 10 episodes? Like, should they have wrapped it up in, like, you know, another couple episodes? Or is it going to remain interesting through 10? I don't know. Have either of you guys checked this out? No. Hell no. (laughs) We don't watch that shit, yo. It could be the greatest thing ever. I have no interest. So, yeah, it it won't be getting watched here. Well, I mean, if it's the greatest thing ever, that might spark a little interest. Nah. <laughs> By the way, Streambox is four ninety nine for the month premium plan. Three month premium plans eleven ninety nine, where you get three months for eleven. It's not actually bad for three months. They do have uh, a free uh, a free streaming version, but you can't watch any of the new stuff on that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is there and any? The, uh, how much of the year? 
I'm how much pre- what? No, I was asking because I know Derek's been looking up stuff. I'm on I'm on the site right now. Like the, Apparently, I, I have I have an account and I forgot because <laughs> my login worked. <laughs> yeah, my login worked. I'm I, I have an account. Here I am. Uh, the the story of it is playing on my screen right now. <laughs> I guess I nice. forgot to cancel it. <laughs> maybe maybe the documentary is ten minutes long. That's why they were they made it. <laughs> no, no, it says two hours. Right. Oh, that's crazy, man. You should watch it because I'm kind of interested. I mean, I, I don't no, even want to say kind of. Don't, don't worry. We we know you're gonna bother a certain individual later to add it to some place. Yeah, exactly. You'll see it soon enough anyway. <laughs> if he hasn't added it already, that is. I'm surprised it hasn't been added already. <sighs> Maybe uh, a screen box of DMCA is really strong. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, okay, well, since uh, the Pretty Little Liars talk began and ended with me, that's probably going to wrap up what we were Yeah, no one watches chick flicks here, Mike. It's okay. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, the, nah, never mind. I don't even know what I was going to say. But I, yeah. I, I do live in a house full of females, so maybe that's, it's their influence. So do I. You don't see me watching fucking Virgin River every night. What? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. See, there you go. See, which is there. <laughs> All right, let's talk some news. Uh, way back in our last episode, we talked about uh, uh, Nev Campbell saying no to Scream Six, but since then, there's been like some rumors that she actually worked something out. I don't care. Um, this is just rumors. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So the rumor is that Derek would like to address the rumors of Neb Campbell returning to Scream Six. Take it away, Derek. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I'll just wait till I watch the movie. I don't care about it until I see like a product in my face. I mean, the thing is, is we had the conversation last episode, and I think we all kind of left it at it. Really doesn't matter. If the movie's good, the movie's good. It doesn't matter if it has legacy characters. So I'm kind of like right there with Derek. Maybe not as blunt as Derek is, but yeah, I, I genuinely don't. I, care I just take, I just take, I just take my stance like Bill Murray and fucking meatballs. It just doesn't matter. It just <laughs> doesn't matter. Well, I mean, yeah, in a sense, the movies get made either way. So in that yep. sense, it doesn't really matter. I think it's more on do the makers of the movie feel that it's important that she's there or not. Cause if they do, then you could see how they wanted to work out an 11th hour deal. Even if it's just like, she shows up briefly at the end in like a phone call or a video call or something just to say, tech go look, she was in it. But if they don't think it's important and the feedback they're getting says, nah, doesn't matter then of course i they're probably not going to spend that extra money i I just try not to go in it because i just like to be fucking surprised with movies you know it's like you know i didn't know like you know you know especially with like a new comic book movie that's coming in november there's rumors about a certain villain being in the movie it's not a rumor. I think I saw the poster, which I fucking I, I hate when movie posters are spoilers in and of themselves. Oh, really? Is on the poster? It's on, it's on the poster. Yeah, I, I think I know who you're talking about because he's on the left side of the poster. But uh, in case anyone's listening that cares, I won't say. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, it look up. Look up the new poster that came out for that. And yeah, I think the villain is there on the left side, which is a surprise. It would have been a better surprise had they not put it on the fucking poster. And I saw it in the movie, but whatever. So now, you know why I don't watch trailers, folks. You know, 
I didn't even know Nope was about aliens until I got into the theater and started watching it. And that's the way movies should be. Fucking total surprise and be 100% entertained. And nothing is spoiled. Love it. Eh, I don't care. <laughs> no, I know. Trailers You're a trailer watcher. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was a trailer watcher for, you know, 45 years. So, you know, I'm not going to disparage anyone who does. All I'm going to say is that in the years since I've stopped watching trailers, my first time watch horror experiences have been 10 times better. Fucking 10 times better. And I love that. So half the time I half the time I don't know anything about the movie. I wish I would have, so I wouldn't even watch it in the first place. Oh great. Yeah. That's the one benefit of trailers is if you know, is if something looks shitty, you know. I've heard stories about the Monsters trailer. I still haven't watched it for obvious reasons, but everybody's telling me it looks like garbage, that it looks like a shitty T V show. It doesn't even look like a movie. So I don't know. (laughs) I wish I, 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 that's one trailer I wish I did not watch. Oh, uh, you wish you got that two minutes back? <laughs> yeah. I could have been masturbating. Damn it. Did you did you happen to see the Nope trailer like after by chance? Yes, I did watch it. Uh, yeah, the, the day I watched the movie. I, that's usually what I'll do is after I watch the movie, I'll watch the trailer on YouTube right away. Okay. Cause I, but that second I mean, trailer, I really yeah, think... I'm glad I didn't see that second trailer because it showed way too much. I don't even think I ever saw the second trailer because I was going to say the first trailer, I don't really think spoil anything. You don't no, first know trailer was perfect. within 10 minutes of the movie anyway. Because I saw that I, the, the first trailer, the teaser, I, I saw that in front of a movie. I forget what movie. It might have been the black phone. And, uh, you know, I, I had forgotten to bring my headphone. I usually bring my AirPods with me so that I don't have to watch any trailers before horror movies. But I had forgotten that day. But it was just the teaser for Nope. So it didn't show anything. I, I literally I was praising the trailer for not showing anything. And then literally a week later, everybody was talking about the second trailer and how much it showed. So definitely glad I didn't see that. Did you get a trailer for the Killer Lion movie? Yeah. I mean, hey, what are you going to do? It's a Killer Lion movie. What are you really going to spoil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll watch I, it. I, I don't know how horror it is, but I'll watch it. Whatever. Oh, uh, that Venom! That trailer is fake. That poster is fake. So. Oh, is it? Is that a fake poster? Oh, that's even better then. All right, cool. So maybe, but you never know. Because I thought I saw that poster on an official page. Holy shit! I, I was just gonna say because uh, Chadwick Boseman's not in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, he's not on the poster. Not the one that I saw. Well, here, let me let me look at it right now. But uh, yeah, you guys play amongst yourselves while I do this. Yeah, like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck if them Campbell's in Scream 6. I'll watch it when it comes out and judge the movie. When All right, well. French fries. Did you know Treehouse of Horror is getting two episodes this year? Because it's awesome. I haven't watched The Simpsons in like six years. Uh, oh, my God. You missed probably the best season in over ten years. Season 33 was fucking spectacular. And, and I, it, it, and it's, it's not, not just me saying it. The critics loved it. The fans loved it. It was a return to form for The Simpsons. I'm dead serious. It's the best season since like 21 or 22. And it's not that I don't like The Simpsons or anything. It's just I usually don't watch TV when it's on. And then I just forget about it because I'm busy with work and shit. Gotcha. Vanham, do you still watch Simpsons like right when it airs? Uh, the next day, usually, yeah. Or, you know, rough. I mean, like, in that, yeah, in that window yes, of time. Yes, yes, I do watch them fairly right away. 
Um, yeah, I'm very excited for the two Halloween episodes. I've said for years the Simpsons should be doing two. Um, they should be doing one Treehouse of Horror in October and then pick another random holiday. Do a do a Treehouse of Fourth of July. Do a Treehouse of Arbor Day. I don't give a shit. Well, but I mean, uh, the year that they did the Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving, yeah, 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 the year that they did the Thanksgiving of Horror was fucking spectacular, and that episode was fucking great. Thanksgiving of, of Horror was probably the best Treehouse of Horror in like ten years. I, I loved it. All, oh. three, all three segments were awesome. I, that first segment, watching all the turkeys get decapitated, that was fucking gory. Oh, wait, I did watch that episode. That, oh, that was good. fucking great. Watching well, Mom yeah. Lamps get decapitated as a turkey and all its gory and bloody fucking, oh, God, I loved it. No. Well, yeah, it, it felt like that was a return to what Treehouse Horror used to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the and, first segment and the last segment were spectacular in that one. Yeah, and Speaking this of year... Well, I was going to say real quick, this year I'm not sure if the the anthology episode, what they're going to do, but the other one that's a, a parody of It, I mean, that feels like, yeah, what the classic Treehouse of Horror was doing was actually parodying a specific movie or horror property. I mean, they still, so you know, I'm, for I'm, the most part, do that. They did the Parasite thing last uh, Treehouse of Horror. Um, what else did they do? I forgot already. They They just did The Omen a couple of years ago. That was kind of shocking. That it was fucking season like 32 or something by the time they parodied The Omen. I was kind of surprised. Remember with Maggie? Maggie was the baby with the 666 uh-huh. on the head, blah, blah, blah. I just remember thinking, wow, it's like season 31 or 32 and they're just now doing The Omen. Holy shit. Yeah. But, I mean, it's always good to save some of those classic properties because eventually you're going to run out. And then you're just going to be doing fucking The Purge and uh, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. Oh, no. <laughs> Imagine. The nun. <laughs> I'd be okay with the nun as long as it's not like, uh, you know, La Girona or something. <laughs> Who would be the nun, Marge? And her uh, sisters oh, would be in the no, convent. It would be, oh, it would be, what's her face? Uh, Reverend Helen Lovejoy? Lovejoy? What? Helen Lovejoy. <laughs> Helen Lovejoy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it fucking writes itself. Oh, yeah. Sideshow Bob as the nun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did. Uh, uh, the Simpsons actually did release the three segments that they're doing on the regular Treehouse of Horror. I read it and I fucking the only one I can remember is Ellen. They're actually they're parroting the Ellen show in one of the Treehouse of Horror segments. Oh, no. uh, I mean, how that's horror, but is beyond Unless me. She's going to sure. make a super aggressive host, like murdering people backstage. <laughs> that would be- but yeah, they did, they did release the other two segment titles and I fucking forgot what they were. And, they, and one of them is a. Uh, uh, what do you call it? A movie parody. Uh, not it. Uh, a different one. But yeah. So, I mean, the point is, yeah, I, I've been saying they should have done two a year for a while. Don't do, don't do them both in October because then you make October too top heavy. Do a Treehouse of Horror in October every year and then just pick another random holiday to do later in the season. You know, Treehouse of New Year's, Treehouse of, you know, Valentine's. Valentine's a good one for horror. I mean, that's what I've been saying for years because those are those are consistently their highest rated episodes every season now. You know, for the last like five, six seasons, that's their the Treehouse of Horror is their highest rated episode. So why not do it twice? Yeah. I mean, I, I've, Treehouse of Horror is the one I will always watch either the day yeah. or night it airs or within a day or two. But I would strongly recommend, Mike, a- any Simpsons fan, if you slept on season 33, go back and start watching it. You won't regret it. Like if if you're one of the people who's been sitting here saying the last five, 10 years of the Simpsons, 
you know, aren't that funny or they're not up to form, watch season 33. It's a return to form. I don't care. Is 33 literally this latest season? Yeah, the one that just ended. Exactly. Do you know how quick at the end of the season they throw it up on Disney Plus? Uh, It's not on Disney. uh, Usually when the next season starts. So when season 34 starts in September, they'll probably pop up 33 on Disney Plus. Okay. I might still have them sitting on my DVR because I still always have my DVR record the new ones. So there's a possibility the entire season's on there. That's good. Yeah, I was really happy with this season because, folks, I am a diehard Simpsons fan. Have been since day one, have been since the Tracy Ullman shows. I mean, my dad was a Tracy Ullman fan, actually owned Tracy Ullman albums. For the, a lot of people don't remember that she was actually a music star, a pop star, before she was a comedian, before she had the Tracy Ullman show. So, yeah, I've been with The Simpsons since day one. Even the seasons that people call weak, I still watch and enjoy. You know, yeah, I admit they're not as great as the classic years, the first 10 seasons or whatever, but... I still find a lot of enjoyment out of it. And even though I might be in the minority, the day that they air the final episode, I'm pretty sure I will shed a tear because I've spent more than half my life with this show. You know, I mean, that that's that's huge. So, yeah, look, yeah, forward. Mr. Venom. Oh, that last episode, I, I'll probably keep it on my DVR forever. <laughs> I'll never get rid of the, it. The show, the show's been around since I've been nine years old. That, yeah, I mean, eighty-eight, how... man. I mean, are you gonna? It's just fucking insane. To yeah. think that a show, this show's been around longer than a lot of people I know. That's crazy to me. Besides I mean, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's nuts. Uh, it's been. And it, it, it's almost like to the point where it's like everybody knows it's there. You almost take it for granted because it's like, oh, I can watch it any time because it's just exactly. always around. Yep. And plus, who uh, loves Disney Plus? So you watch it whenever they're there, too. Yep. <laughs> Part of the reason I have uh, Plus is for The Simpsons. So. Yeah, I mean, when I heard about that, because I think before I had like whatever FX thing you needed to get all The Simpsons. Yeah. And then once they announced the exodus from that and onto Disney, I was like, well, Disney Plus just sold me for that alone. <laughs> and the fact that Disney actually displays the non-HD early episodes is fucking awesome. Because uh, don't forget, if you had the FX app, it had all the original seasons in HD. And they just didn't look right. They didn't well, look yeah, right they stretched through. it out, right? Yeah, you actually missed gags. There were gags like on the top of the screen that ended up getting cut off. You actually missed whole jokes. So... Yeah, kudos to Disney Plus for keeping it its original format for those first few seasons. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Next story. <laughs> next story. Next story. You kind of brought up already. Just mentioned in our trailer talk, but it it turns out Monsters is going straight to Netflix because uh, Rob Zombie came out with a statement. He kind of made it seem like, oh, this was always the plan. I don't know if that was always the plan to go to straight to Netflix, but uh, I'm kind of. I'm kind of pairing this with the story that Evil Dead Rising, on the other hand, supposedly is getting such good test screens. They're thinking about a theatrical, like a limited theatrical release, which I'm all for it because an Evil Dead movie should be in the theater. Like if it's worth anything at all, that shit should be showing in the theater, at least, you know, at least to give the diehard fans a chance to see an Evil Dead movie on the big screen. But uh, what I mean, I. That makes I don't... way more sense, honestly. That makes 100% more sense. Think about it. The Munsters is like a 60-year-old television show at this point. 
there's not a big audience to go see a Monsters remake. Yes, there's a lot of us who love the show, love the classics, everything else, but it just seems like it's a hit or miss uh, to make a Monsters remake. Evil Dead, Evil Dead has a locked-in money-spending fan base right now. It makes 100% more sense that that plays in theaters, especially if it's getting good um, test screenings. If people are actually saying it's a good movie, at the fact that it takes place in a high-rise, I want to see it on the big screen, regardless. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's going to be like Demons 2? Or Poltergeist 3. Oh, <laughs> or both? Or both. <laughs> Poltergeist 3. <laughs> I like Poltergeist 3. Oh, I don't hate it. I, I, yeah, I find it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I think there's really it's good better in part stuff two. Ah, hmm. I don't know. I'm on the fence on that one. Part I'd have to watch it. Bag two. Part two is kind of boring. Part two, everybody remembers it because of Kane, but then other exactly. than that, it's like, what's but been the ending, Derek's right. The ending of part two is pretty lame, if I remember correctly. Yeah. In, thing in the cave or whatever, yeah. Yeah, there, was a, cool, there was a cool gag with the son's braces in the bathroom. That yeah, was cool. that was interesting, definitely. Yeah, and then the, the, the worm <laughs> bottle. Oh, yeah, thing, the tequila yeah. bottle with worm in it, mm, with the worm, yeah. the demon worm. That yeah. was Sano. <laughs> And yeah. Chief from One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest is chewing gum. Chief! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, three was, yeah, it was a star. Yeah, what else you got, Mike? Uh, let's see. VHS 99 kind of got Woo! announced out of nowhere, and it's coming out soon. I think they said October 14th. Is Limp, is Limp Biscuit going to be in it? God, no. I Why? Stop I it. I hope so. Stop maybe trying to run the things I love. Maybe Woodstock '99 will be in the wraparound story. Oh, oh God! Oh God! Ah, I think so. Love. Oh, fucking Mike! Fucking middle. Yeah, I thought '94 was pretty good. '94 like, was in my top ten. I fucking loved it. It's I. What a fucking guilty pleasure. I'm sorry, but that one segment with the with the cyborg humans. Holy shit! I I I literally watch that entire segment with an erection every time I watch it. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I think yeah. Bob's right there with me too. I think I've seen it, so whatever. Damn, you never seen '94? I don't watch Shutter. Oh yeah, yeah '94, man. I mean, the wraparound segments. I never watch it, yeah. But goddamn, the the four segments are spectacular. God damn it. There's one in there from the guy who did Safe Haven in VHS two. Which is, and I said it on the show when we reviewed it, it is literally my favorite horror anthology segment ever. It beats anything in Trick or Treat, Creep Show. As much as I love those movies, this one segment, it's like the perfect set of titties in my face. That, that's how much I love this segment. Nope, it's just the best ever. Sorry, ladies, I didn't mean to be offensive, but, you know, damn, I, like, I, I we, like what I like. <laughs> damn, I wish we did that summer series shows before we did this, after we did this episode now. <laughs> I would have recorded that, I and mean, we're like, whatever you said about Creepshow, I'll just play it. Like, Are you <laughs> talking about Creepshow controversy on a summer series episode? Yeah. Do we all have look to look forward to that? Yes, Creepshow, yes. gay. Show controversy. <laughs> oh, man. I, I can I can hardly wait. Cause... It, it works in your favor if you're a Creepshow fan. Um, I'll leave it at that. But is there is controversy. 99.9% yes. of the horror community. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought before we recorded this episode. 
Fuck creep show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'll no. leave it at that. Check out that episode, folks. The 1982 episode of the summer series. Is it already fuck. released? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's not. Is it? It's What's that? Next, it's in the week after this week. I think. Yeah, because this past week was just all like the the one offs where they were coming up with the number three movie. Well, yeah, that's that's, what, that's what we do on this episode. Our episode. That is the summer zero. series. We're coming up with the third movie for those years. That's the whole series. <laughs> I meant the ones without like the panels and all that, like with the panel of hosts and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's all you're getting this year. There's there's no um, there's no uh, what do you call it fan panel. There's no art. Um, there's, there's no fucking adjudicators. Fuck adjudicators. That yeah. No, I know there's no adjudicator. I thought there were still some episodes with like an ensemble of hosts. They're That's all, all the episodes. That's all the episodes, Mike. All episodes is the ensemble of hosts. Yeah. Every episode is that. Well, he just released some with like one on one people, right? Coming up with thirds. No. That's- no. No, if he did, it's another series. It's something else. It's not the summer series. The su- summer series is going to have five to six hosts on every single episode where they discuss a particular year, where they're trying to come up with the third best movie, or at least the number three movie of that year that's going to go into next year's summer series when we finally do, like, the, you know, whatever, top 100 of all when, time. Yeah, when we finally kick Creepshow out. Wait, uh, I was just... Wait, because I just did oh. 1990 with Duncan, which I was not supposed to mention. Obviously, now it's out, so I can mention it now. Right. But where I did... Uh, you did all the zeros? You did 90? No, just 90. Oh, you were X, on the... X oh, versus were you filling in for somebody? No, it was just me and him. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, that's not the summer series, then, I don't think. I think that's something different, dude. Well, no, because he said he was going to have surprise hosts on like certain oh. ones. Just him coming up with... Oh, I, surprise? That's that's a shitty surprise. <laughs> no, it's a fucking fantastic surprise. Mike's, Mike's the shitty surprise? Uh, it's, it's a surprise if I didn't have to deal with four people that would probably get it wrong. And it was just me and Duncan one-on-one, so it was a great Hey, surprise. for whatever it's worth, <laughs> for, for the series that we just did, all four of my movies got through. So I'm very happy. <laughs> nice. And Maybe. I'll be back for another year. I'll just keep the other year secret because I wasn't. It was hard not to like mention anything, but he just said it works better if you don't. Now, now that it's out and released, I don't. It doesn't matter, but yeah, he said good. it said uh, somehow it works into the fact that we still talking about this <laughs> because no. I just want to talk about it and I can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's I couldn't a, even I, mention I was on it for the past like two, three months. Yeah, but I can't talk about our shows. Well, I'm not saying anything that happened. I'm just saying that's what I did. But anyways, okay. We'll happen if we start, keep talking about it, so let's I'll, move on. I'll move on for your guys' sake, not to uh, pressure or make it enticing. I don't want to get my head chopped off by William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Oh, yeah. No, I was, I was kind of on a follow-up of what we were saying. I wish Prey was getting a theatrical release, too. Because I've heard some early good buzz on it, and I'm just like, why would you not put a Predator movie in the theater either? Unless like they just haven't liked the returns on the recent Predator movies, which oh, I have no idea what kind of money they made. The last bunch of Predator movies. And they weren't, and I don't think they're in, most of them are any good, so it's not because of that, but Prey... It doesn't matter how good Prey is. If the last couple of Predator movies were bad, people are not going to pay to see this in the theater. It doesn't matter how good. It's, it's, it's the rule of the previous movie. 
the 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 quality of the previous movie is going to dictate the opening weekend for the next movie. So even though Transformers 2 was a piece of utter fucking shit, it made a bunch of money because the first Transformer was a hit and everybody liked it, or at least most people liked it. And that's why we have seven of those movies. Oh, and God, I really fucking hope we're done with this. I'm inking that into the rule book, the rule of the previous movie. Yeah, it's true, man. I mean, at least for for theatrical releases. I, you know what I mean? Dan, did uh, you just come up with a fucking Dave Z phrase? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> He's like, I refuse to go based on the rule of previous movie or previous franchise. Oh, that rule <laughs> doesn't apply to me. That rule applies to the general audience. Yeah, just, yeah. Whether the studio wants to invest. Yeah, but most of Dave Z rules do, like the IMDb school. Yeah, no, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I just, as a personal thing, I really wish we would have got the opera. Because watch, watch it end up being really, really good. And it's like, fuck, this could have been on the big screen. The fact that that we might get Evil Dead on the big screen is, oh, that's a good enough win for me. I'll take it as a win. Uh, Predator, like I said, there's no guarantee this movie is going to be great. The concept is great. I love this concept. I love the prequel thing. You know, I love that he's landing during, you know, Native American times, colonial times, whatever you want to go with. I think it's going to be an awesome back, background setting. But the, the quality of the film can't be dictated on its concept, uh, unfortunately. So we'll have to yeah, see. Yeah. And, you know, they have a good director, too, which, you know, I yeah. like the guy. 10 Cloverfield Lane guy who's directing it. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful it's going to yeah. be good. I'm actually excited about it. Because um, I, I, I was a big fan of Mohawk, uh, that uh, Native Ted American... Ge- the T. Geegan movie? Yeah, yeah, from a couple of years ago. I love that mm. movie. So, I, And I've kind of noticed with stuff like Brimstone that I'm kind of liking that era, you know, horror films set in that era, be it, you know, Native Americans, cowboys, colonial times, you know, whatever the case may be. So, like I said, I'm excited for it. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, but as far as a theatrical release, yeah, I, I can't imagine. With the, with the lack of success for the last couple Predator movies. Yeah, we, we won't see a lot of Fox movies in theaters for a while, I think. Yeah, yeah, they can stream them. They're happy. Yeah. They're getting exactly. their money one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's uh, for me personally. I think it's a cool concept. I prefer that they're kind of going back to what seemingly is more of an original concept predator versus it's new, so it's got to be bigger and better because that automatically makes it a cooler movie. When I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. But um, what the right. Iron Man Predator movie that was fucking terrible. <laughs> the keel fucking that fucking shit was fucking dog dumpster fire. Uh, all right, and the last news item I have: Robert England. Yes, possibly, but no, no guarantee. But probably, and this news item it hit back when we, I think not original originally, originally going to record, but one of our move dates. But uh, it's about Bloomhouse uh, supposedly looking to go acquire the rights to Friday the Thirteenth. And Nightmare on Elm Street, because now that they put out, I guess, yeah, they put out financially successful Halloween movies. So what what do you do next? Go buy up rights to other slasher franchises that Mike Flanagan buried long ago. Oh, dude. Oh, don't say that, Derek. That you. My nipples just got hard. Don't do that. 
Michael like, Flanagan doing Friday the Thirteenth? Are you kidding? I would camp out to watch that. I, I, I want to see the Mike Flanagan Old Man Kruger movie with Robert England and Old Man. Kruger I'd be down. Absolutely. Kruger prequel. We need your help, Freddy. Like you didn't the eighties when I killed all those kids. <laughs> I honestly think that's that's the only other thing to really do with Nightmare on Elm Street is the prequel, like a Fred Krueger movie of him actually being the child killer and the trial and uh, all a matter that of stuff. how interesting uh, that movie would be. Part of what makes Freddy Freddy is the whole dream thing and it, it, you know. yeah, that'd be like this watching the town of Dread Sunday. I mean, hopefully, yeah. Be that. Or, or we but. could get a shitty Nightmare on Elm Street sequel again, and that wouldn't be very good either. Well, no, nobody wants a shitty anything. <laughs> what do you mean? You would want it, man. You want it. You love Freddy's Dead. Will you shit? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it, but I know Mike does because he defended it. And Casanelli loves it. Casanelli loves Freddy's Dead. Yeah, it's like one of his favorite ones. I, I'm not exaggerating. Wow, yeah, he hates Jack Frost, so let's put it that way. I mean, he said it. Yeah, he said it on Horror Mafia that literally Freddy's dead because it's the funniest one. It's his favorite. It's no, not well, funny. Uh, don't hey, you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> I mean, as far as me, it's out of the first six, it's the lowest rated to me, probably. It's but like being I, raped with, like watching that movie is like being raped by an iron lung. <laughs> yeah, just everything in that movie that tries to be funny that isn't just uh, I just roll my eyes. There's of a couple course. of things in there that are decent. I, I did like the sound kill, you know, when he when he does the uh, the banging of the pipes with the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was decent. But I mean, there's not a lot of good quality in that movie. And poor Yafik. <laughs> and poor Yafik Kodo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think Freddy's Dead is just an example of it. it's become too big to even... Fulfill felt, what the original. Yeah. Big. That movie's like a fucking dumpster fire. They were trying to do Twin Peaks with it, and it didn't make sense. It was fucking yeah. bullshit. It just felt like a money grab. Even when it first came out, I remember watching it in the theater, thinking, "This is this is just for money. Like, there's no artistic value here. There's no story. There's no real reason for this movie to exist other than money." Yeah, the gimmick of hey, we're gonna finally kill Freddy exactly. and. Uh, be back. You know how we're going to kill him the same way we did in the first movie? Oh, okay. Yay. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. But with dynamite this time. Ooh. <laughs> but you know what? With that said, I'll still watch it over the remake any day of the week. So oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> anybody will watch good. that. I don't know about no, not anybody. This guy. I'll watch, yes, I'll watch my TV on off for two hours before I watch that remake. I'll just stop it if I can... Dream Master or Dream Child. That's it. Maybe. I mean, with the with the real timeline, they all have their elements that are enjoyable. You know, especially for somebody like Mike, who really like I'm not the biggest Freddy guy. I've I've always been more about my silent killers, my Michaels and my Jasons. That's that's more me. But my wife is on the same team as Mike. My wife is definitely Team Freddy. And her mentality is always that he's just more entertaining because he does the one-liners, because he actually talks, that he's more entertaining than your average Jason. Whereas, you know, know, for me, I just want to see Jason cut somebody in half. I don't want to see him talk. I don't want to see him say a one-liner. Oh, that that would just make me puke. But uh, it's personal preference, obviously. Mike's a Freddy. I'm a Jason. Eh, Yeah, I mean, like, really, I'm a both. But I just... Obviously, yeah. Yeah, my needle goes... Two Nightmare Elms because uh, to me, the only real difference 
I mean, I know it's like a big thing between some people, like the rivalry, but to me, it's like the only the only real reason I say Freddy is because to me, I like the best Nightmare on Elm Street entries more than I like the best Friday the 13th entries. But overall, I, I mean, I could throw on most of any of them anytime and have fun with it. So, I mean, it just comes down to like small things like that, but really you can't go wrong with either one of them. At least till yeah. later in the franchise of each one. Then hey, that's why I start to I mean, from super fans. But I, mean. I may not, I may not agree with Bill Castanelli, but I love him for his conviction. So uh, I'll give, I'll always give him credit for that. Hey, yeah, give him for that conviction, yo, yo. Yeah. Hey. I'll kill your podcast. Yeah, I mean, back, you know, to just circle back to like the main why this was a story because I just it was like, okay, Blue Mouse is trying to acquire him, which I don't even know how much effort there. I would think Friday the 13th would maybe be easier to acquire, but I don't know. It's just, I just come up with a thing is like, we're probably going to get more. Do we need more? No. Is the likelihood they're going to be better than what came before them? No, but they're going to be there. So I'll Uh, watch them when they come uh, out. But I'm not, I I, I just put it like this. I'm not, I, I I think the, the bigger divide with horror fans is there's the horror fans that kind of yearn for, like constant updates to everything. And I don't just mean like a story, like a new craft of the story, but like, I want more Jason. I want more Freddie. There's like that or friend. And then there's me who is like, why I have plenty of each that are good. Mostly like they range from like great to, you know, mediocre, but the great ones, they're already there. I don't, I don't need more. And what's likely going to be a less good version. Why do you yearn for that? Because even if, even if they, even if they put out what you can call as successful as in like a halfway decent one, I don't give a shit. Like the ones that came before it are better. And there's reasons that they were as good as they were that you can't replicate and likely won't. So why do we keep demanding like more of them? I don't, don't well, I don't (laughs) We are not, not you. I just no, no. I understand, but you you use the you know you're using the royal we. I understand that, but no, I'm right there with Mike. I am 100% in agreement, folks. I am the biggest Friday the 13th fan you will find. I have a shitload of Friday the 13th merchandise. I have two Friday the 13th tattoos on me. I fucking love this franchise more than any horror franchise ever. And you know what? I never ever want to see another Friday the 13th movie ever fucking period. I have 12 already to choose from with varying degrees of quality. Some are great, some are shitty, but they all make me happy. And I'm right there with Mike. I never, ever want to see Jason on screen again, unless it's a re-release of one of the old ones. But yeah, why do we need more Jason? Why do we need more Freddy? It's just the young horror fans. It's the younger horror fans who missed out on Freddy and Jason and Michael <clears throat> the first time around, and now they want to experience going to the theater and watching these movies for the first time. But ultimately, um, like like Mike said, you're just getting diminishing returns every time we get a new one. And what's the fucking point? You're investing all this money into these fucking movies to get, you know, maybe a, a 50 to 100 percent return on investment. Um, which is still a profit. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sure most movie studios are still happy with a mild profit, but 
It, it just artistically, it makes no fucking sense. So we have 12 Friday the 13th movies. You want to watch a Friday. You want to watch a Jason movie. You have 12 fucking options to choose from. Go pick one. Stop clamoring for a new one. I would way rather see a shitty, like a psycho Gorman, because at least it's fucking original. It's different. Even if it's a big failure, I'd still rather see that than the 47th Friday the 13th movie. I just don't fucking need it. Hell yeah, yeah. wait for Jaws 5. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and to clarify, like I'm at peace with the fact that it's likely going to happen because this is just how it works. It, 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 well, but the thing is, like, let's say tomorrow we wake up and there's a headline, Jason returning to the big screen with new friends. Like, I'm not going to be excited about it. I'll see it nope. because I'm a horror fan and uh, there'll be enough curiosity there. But I'm not someone who, like, gets excited by a headline. I'm just like, oh, I'd be more excited I'm not, if Jason is joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes! Freddy and Jason join the Avengers. That would be exciting. <laughs> and they fight Spider-Man. And they hack Spider-Man up to bits. Or maybe Ash joins the Avengers. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> well, well, Pizza Papa's in there. In the yeah, yeah, Pizza Papa is officially in there. So, I mean, I, mean, I, I guess I, Bruce Campbell technically already was officially in the M- even though it wasn't the MCU with the original Spider-Man movies. Uh, I, I look at it as he's always been a part of it. He, he yeah. was in the MCU and kind of the comic books because I have Army of Darkness versus uh, Marvel Zombies, and he. Right, right. Him. But it, it would be cool if we just find out Pizza Papa is really Ash. That would be in, fun. The, in the in the cinematic MCU. Is all comics considered canon, or do no. they kind of no. make their own path? Not even close. Yeah, I mean, not they're not all canon. Some of them are very out there, very weird. Some of them are offshoots. The current MCU, yes, uh, the the twenty what twenty four, twenty five films in the current MCU timeline, yes, those are canon. Uh, some of the Disney shows aren't. Obviously, What If is not. That's yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I, to answer your question, Mike, yeah, I think the, the MCU films are, they, they are all canon, yes. They don't match the comic books, necessarily, by right. any stretch, but they are canon, yeah. Yeah, everything is canon. So yeah, Pizza Papa is officially MCU. Yeah. And- <laughs> if you kind of, in my eyes, already was official MCU, it's just it wasn't the MCU, it was still Sony Pictures back then, making the, uh, the Spider-Man movies, so... But yeah. yeah, so Mike, do, do you even know what the fuck we're talking about? Because I can't imagine you saw the latest Marvel movie. No. Do you know I, Pizza Papa I, is? I don't specifically know what you're talking about. I mean, Pizza I know Papa Bruce Campbell's MCU cameo is, in uh, Doctor yeah. Strange. I mean, I, Mike probably figured that out, but just the, the character yeah. himself is fucking hysterical. He just sells pizza balls. <laughs> pizza he's, a, ball. he's, he's a pizza ball vendor. Yeah, oh. he's the pizza ball king, actually. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he is the Pizza Papa. And it's great. I think we could spoil this and still never well, watch Mike, it. Look up the scene because uh, because I, I think YouTube will you know now that it's on uh, physical media, YouTube will probably have just the scene. Just look up the Bruce Campbell scene in uh, Doctor Strange too. You'll you'll see it. Is yeah. it is that new Doctor Strange on a streaming service yet? It's on Disney yeah, Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Oh, okay, it's already on there. Yeah. Damn. You're really. I mean, I know you're not an MCU fan, but like this is the closest thing to horror they've ever done. I mean, there, you've got Lovecraftian monsters, you've got stalking, you've got zombies. I mean, it's got some J horror shit in there. Yeah, you know? J horror. That's right. <laughs> so, Can you, so, is it easy to invest in the store without like reference from another ten not movies? Really. But I mean, I don't think you care about the story <laughs> that much anyway. Yeah, not really. If you if you were interested, I probably would watch WandaVision so you know what 
certain things are in the movie. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a series, too. That's a yeah, six-episode yeah, series. It's the only yeah. thing where you get to know some just of character choices in the movie. Yeah. Catherine Hahn's in WandaVision, isn't she? Yeah, oh, she's, she's awesome. fucking hot as shit. She's fucking yeah, spectacular. I want to I fucking hate fuck her in that movie. So well, I mean, I, I'm not even talking about her looks. I, I think her character was fucking awesome. I, I, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't wait for... Yeah, I can't wait for her. Sh- well, her yeah, show, I, I think she was the highlight of the show. Agatha Harkness, Harkness was the, the fucking highlight of WandaVision. It and I am Agatha glad that she's getting her own show now. Along. Yeah, it was Agatha all along. <laughs> and I killed Sparky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Jesus, after our 14th tangent, we're somehow on Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I allowed it. track, goddammit. <laughs> You allowed it. <laughs> well, that that was my last official news item. I think it started with Blumhouse getting the rights to a couple slasher franchises or trying to. There you go. I mean, do oh, you guys so, have any news items? I no. mean, not really. Some some physical releases coming out. We're finally getting a Poltergeist 4K. We're finally getting a Return of the Living Dead 4K. Yeah, so those are that. those are kind of exciting. You know, yeah, for for us physical media show. collectors, yeah. Day one buy with that one. Oh, for Return of the Living Dead? Oh, both of them. Yeah, for me, they're both day one buys. I, I unapologetically adore Poltergeist. I know it's not like a hardcore horror film, and you know, there's always the controversy of who actually directed it, blah, 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 but I fucking love that movie. Oh, I think it's Toby Hooper directed oh, it. Toby Hooper 100% directed it, and I want to, anybody who says Spielberg directed it, I want to kick him in the fucking throat. But it's usually over the internet, so I can't do it. Well, let's invite to the show. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't even know who says it, so I wouldn't even. Oh, we're getting a four K of Fargo too. Wow, holy <laughs> yeah, shit! Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Fargo. See, yeah. you guys are making turning me into fucking physical four, media. Four K Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That, oh shit! I already have that. They're doing another four K because I've I've yeah. got a four K steelbook already of that one. Show See, I, I went and oh. bought the uh, the Clockwork Orange 4K, and then I found out there's like a Stanley Kubrick collection, kind of like Alfred yeah. Hitchcock, and I was like, exactly. shit, what's in it? I should have just bought that. Yeah, same thing with that one. I already had like half the movies on 4K. It's like, well, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not going to rebuy it. Yeah. That's why I yeah, bought it yeah. at Monsterpalooza, because I already had Psycho and Vertigo. Oh, now they're releasing a fucking Halloween fucking 4K well, fuck you, Halloween 4K. Yeah, Halloween like Kills it. is getting a second 4K release. Now it's going to be in a steelbook. God damn it. Oh, that's I that's already not. the, what, third or fourth release of Halloween Kills. No, fourth, because they had the special edition. They had the director's cut. So, yeah, four different physical media editions of this fucking movie have already come out, and it's a year old. What the well, fuck? Good thing I'll buy zero of them, because uh, I'm just waiting for the, the Loomis cut. The Loomis cut. <laughs> Hey, all scenes. Uh, I might actually buy that one because yeah, I, I, I actually buy. thought the Loomis impersonator was like one of the best parts of the movie. Oh, all I, the, uh, yeah, all the seventy. Did he kill again? <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I, I bought I bought the the first three on 4K, and then I'm like, I that's all I care to own from this franchise. Now, in the past, I've had like the whole franchise on DVD and stuff but as far as like upgrading each each step of the way i'm like no when when it comes to 4k so here's the thing back in 
in my collector days, I was probably like most collectors where you're pretty completist, even if you're not particularly a fan of like every entry in a franchise. I just had it in me. Like it doesn't matter if, if, if it's a franchise and they're all out, I have to get them all. But with 4k, I'm like, nah, fuck that. If, if with Halloween, for example, I like the first three, I don't think all the rest of them are trash necessarily, but they're nothing that I I think most of them are the ones that people rate high, like four. I don't four understand why. Shit. So one through three, I actually like like a, a lot. So I'm like, I'm just going to get the first three on 4K, and then I don't care about the rest. So that's how I'm playing it with 4K. So I'm, I'm kind of like leaking into being a collector again, but not the way I will. I'll, I'll never go back to like how I was yeah. in my teens and 20s. I'm yeah, same with me. I'm I'm curbing myself when it comes to physical media, when it, especially with the 4K stuff. Um, I basically think to myself, will I watch this more than once a year? If 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 a 4K is going to be more than a once a year watch, it's worth the money for me. If it's something that I'm going to watch once and then just stick in the collection for 10 years, that's not worth 40 bucks. So yeah, it's got to be something that I'm going to use, you know, periodically. Yeah, it's there's got to be more purpose to it than saying, "Look, it's sitting on my shelf." Like, exactly. Yeah, well, like when is Phantom of the Paradise getting a 4K? Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> when is Ticks getting a 4K? What the hell? Uh, it already has one. I own oh. it and watched it six times. Sorry. God damn it! Six times. <laughs> uh, I watched Ticks six times. My eyes are bleeding. <laughs> Did you watch Ticks again? Uh. <laughs> Right. I'm pretty excited for this Count Yorker collection, though, from Era. I kind of want that Ray Steckler collection. <laughs> yeah, that one looks Incredibly pretty nice. Strange Creatures. Oh, I like Ray Dennis Steckler movies, then. Sometimes yeah. they're so bad, they're entertaining. <laughs> Have they ever put out like a like a William Castle box set, or is all his stuff? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I own two William Castle boxes. I was going to say, they've done indicator. multiple box sets, yeah. The, the only thing is because, uh, well, most of Indicator's stuff that's UK, in the UK is region free. Some of the yeah. William Castle discs on the box set are region B, so you'll need a region B player. But it's a nice box set, mm-hmm. you know, You know, in that sense. But if I can, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, like, it's cool to see, like, you know, like, these UK companies coming to the US, like 101 Films released the last broadcast, which I just picked up recently. I should have talked about that when I, I watched that. You and, you know, they're releasing Ghost House on Blu-ray. Ghost you know. House. <laughs> no, Ghost Watch. Ghost there Watch. you go. Ghost Watch I'll buy. <laughs> Ghost House, not so much. <laughs> I, I already own Ghost House on Blu-ray. That's the actual movie where Salva raped that kid, right? Oh, that's Clown House. Clown House. My bad. Ghost House oh. is the Lindsay movie. That's right. That's the one with the doll, right? In yeah, the attic. The, yeah, the weird kid with the, the doll. The stupid song. The stupid. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's oh right. shit! Clown House. I think I had that one on VHS back in the day. I'm. I, it might still be sitting in a box somewhere. Clown House is the most overrated fucking movie ever. I've only seen it once. I don't remember liking it all that much. I don't remember it being like anything. The only, the only reason why they talk about it is because that fucking thing happened on that movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's yeah, it's got a notorious history more than more than a quality history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, all right, you give well. the same Rackwell, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I 
so I don't really have a, a specific burning question for this episode. I kind of feel like we did a couple of them within our news items. Well, it was originally going to be nope. You're going to talk about nope, but... Yeah, yeah I said nope. Like a yeah. nope redux. Because I, I, I wasn't sure if Venom was going to bring up nope in the what we watched, so I didn't want to, like, oh, no. label that as the burning question or anything, but... You, but have you seen it again since we did the fresh cuts? Yes, or I just saw it, yeah, I saw it one more time yesterday. And has your feelings on it shifted either way? Like as I far like as how good? Or... Every time I watch it, it was it was like it was an eight after I watched it the first time, an eight point five after the second, and now it's sitting on like a nine out of ten. If we were to rate our movies, but yeah, you know. see if if we did rage, I probably had it around an eight after my first watch, and that's I've only seen it once, but. I, I feel like just the conversations I've had about it, even with people that liked it less than me, it's kind of reinforced why I liked it, and I can't imagine it not going up. Like, there's no way it's going down, but I would no. think on a second watch it's going up. Especially because on the second watch, I noticed so much more. Um, like, I, the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that the girl with the deformed face at the rodeo was the girl from Gordy's house. I, yeah, I, yeah, really, yeah. I didn't realize it on first watch. Uh, I, I don't know. I think because when I saw it the first time, it was opening night and there were people talking. So I might have missed something like I, I think I missed his introduction when he actually says, you know, the first love of my life. Like, uh-huh. I don't think I actually saw heard that the first time because people were talking. So, oh, so yeah, I'm yeah, definitely yeah. glad I went to see it a second time. Yeah, so, that's I, I picked up on it that it was her. But the one thing I didn't even notice and it was sitting right in front of my face was like the fact that she, when she's at the show that it, later in life at his show, she, you know, she has the cloth covering her face. And then it, it the flashback, the cloth is kind of covering because they're like, Oh, well, wasn't he looking Gordy in the eye, but that cloth might've been obscuring on top the of the fact eye, that eye contact. you notice that she's wearing a t-shirt of her character on that show. Like, oh, yeah. No, I the shirt that she's wearing I, I is her. That. It's actually her character from Gordy's Home. I don't know if it's a Gordy's Home T-shirt, but it's her character from that show, obviously, before the face trauma. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I didn't see the movie yet, so I just put my head. No, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. I mean, I would say avoiding all spoilers. I would just say, you know, there's, of course, like any Peel movie, a lot of. Uh, discussion post movie. Um, I would say though, the one thing I don't get are the people that say like, Oh, there's not as much subtext in this. I'm like, yeah, there is like more subtle. 100% definitely more subtle than the last two movies. Yeah. This has got Michael Wincock. Yeah. But it absolutely, there's absolutely 100% just as much social commentary in this as in get out. It's just with the get out and us, it's more on the surface. It's more slapping you in the face, whereas in this movie, you know, it's not slapping you in the face. Like, I mean, one of our co-hosts on the show actually said he didn't see any social commentary. And and that's more a credit to Peel than anything else. The fact that he is able to kind of mask the social commentary that's in there. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot in there. I mean, we talked about it on Fresh Cuts, and I feel like I still only scratched the surface. You know, cause yeah. I, I, you know, cause I had only seen it twice when we talked about it on Fresh Cuts and God damn it. I didn't even talk about my favorite fucking scene. 
my favorite scene <laughs> in the whole goddamn movie, my friends, it literally rains blood in one scene. I'm not going to talk about the context of it, why it's happening, blah, blah, blah. But there is literally a fucking raining blood scene. And I love raining blood scenes. Uh, one, one of the reasons I love Evil Dead remake from 2013 is because of that goddamn raining blood at the end. But yeah, I totally forgot to mention that in Fresh Cuts because that scene is so fucking tense. Ah, so good. Yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> So there was that, and like the other big thing I'm hearing is like, what was the purpose of the flashback that didn't fit with it? And I'm like, no, it actually it did. Like it, it's a hundred percent aligned, and it to me it further reiterates what the main subtext and theme of the movie is. Like that that's why that flashback's there, and why I think Peel chose to put that in there. Uh, outside of just like the exposition we get from um, uh, what's whatever the character's name was, because he kind of gives us like a yeah, he kind of gives us like a vague uh, run through of what happened. But I think the actual flashback to the incident really punches it and really shows you what the kind of theme they're going for in the movie and in a couple different ways. And I think that's why. Yeah peel operates the way he does. Yeah. I generally, I I generally don't like to disparage people for their opinions. Everybody's opinion is valid, but the people who are saying that the Gordy flashback has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. I'm sorry, my friends, but you 100% missed the point. You 100% missed the point and the parallel between Gordy and jean jacket. If you don't see the parallel between Gordy and Jean Jacket, I mean, that's fine. Again, I'm not disparaging anyone. But if you're going to sit there and make a factual statement like the Gordy flashback uh, is pointless in this movie, I'm going to be the first one to jump in your face and tell you no. Let me explain the six fucking reasons why this scene not only fits the movie, but is 100% necessary. This movie is not the same without that Gordy flashback. I'm sorry. It's just 100% not. So... My friends, enjoy the movie as you will. I mean, if you hate it, you hate it. You know, there's one podcaster that I very much respect. I love him to death. And he did not like this movie. And he's one of the people that said he didn't understand why the Gordy scene was in there. You know, it it doesn't mean that I suddenly hate the guy or that I'm going to make fun of him. No, it just he didn't see what I saw. And it's unfortunate because I feel like if he would have made that connection, he would have enjoyed the movie more. And, you know. Well, Venom, you uh, gave us another rule, the rule of six reasons. If there's six reasons why it matches, it has to be true. (laughs) The rule of six reasons. Dave, make sure you copy that. The rule of six. (laughs) (laughs) If if Venom can come up with six reasons for something, it's fact. Oh, God. I I could definitely come up with six reasons. I mean, the parallels are too much. The parallels between young Ricky and old Ricky, the parallels between... Jean Jacket and Gordy, the parallels between um, the dad character on Gordy's home and adult Ricky. I mean, the parallels are just all over the fucking place. Are these all I, the characters' names? Huh? Are these all the characters' names? In the yeah, movie? Ricky. Stephen Yuen plays a, a Asian child actor named Ricky. Or, you know, he's an adult now, obviously, but he was a former child actor, yeah. And it, it plays a big part into, like, what's happening in the movie and, you know, the whole concept of spectacle and everything. Okay. Uh, God, Eric, go see. No, I'm, I'm going to try to go see it next week. I'm off like Thursday. So I'll probably try to go see it then. And Hell she, yeah. You don't like it. I'll give you your money back. 
Hey, man, I made you cry already. I I made you cry already this past two weeks. Oh, I know, I know. But I've made this claim. I've made this deal with people before in the past. I tell them, watch this fucking movie. If you don't like it, I'll pay you back your money. Guess what? I've never had to pay anyone their money. So let's see if Derek's the first. Well, well, you guys already owe me for the sadness. Ah, whatever. (laughs) Wait, what? You didn't like the sadness? No. Wow, that's a that's a whole can of worms that has to be opened another day because that's going to be an hour long conversation at least. When the hell did this happen? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was just overhyped for me. Like when I I'll watch it again. It was just you know when I heard this when the other movie came out, most extreme movie you'll ever see. Like fucking uh, what was it called? It was a Chilean movie too. Yeah, but that was hyperbole. I don't feel like it was hyperbole with this movie. Yeah, like, I, I agree with the statement. After watching the film, I'm like, you know what? That was the most depraved zombie movie I've ever seen. Because <laughs> I can't think of worse. I can't think of a worse one. So <laughs> for once, it wasn't hyperbole. At least I thought so. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it another watch. Ultimately, it, to each his own. If Derek, I thought, I, I, I thought, just I, like I, it. not a big deal. No, it's just as you know, it just seems like a standard zombie movie for me it wasn't you know yeah i need to watch the zombie movies you're watching if the sadness is standard (laughs) holy shit yeah i mean it's pretty depraved i mean i i can understand the viewpoint of like i i was sold on this asses and shit (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not. I mean, I I think that saying that something's not quite up to the the level of what you was suggested that I think that is valid, but that's different from saying I didn't like it. No, I didn't. I so I was like, yeah. if you didn't like uh, it, I mean, even uh, if you didn't like, it, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I, 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 I didn't hate it. It was just like you know, it was mm-hmm. like I just like I don't know why everyone's like, yeah, it was fucking amazing, but you know, I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, you thought it was like a par for the course type thing. Like it's not yeah. bad, but it's not what I ha- it's not something I haven't seen. I want to yeah. play on that course. <laughs> <laughs> What's the par on that course? Like it was yeah, gravity like, at all times. Yeah, like it's, I want to play there. <laughs> if it was directed by Noboru Gucci, this would be a lot crazier right now. That's what I was thinking of watching this. <laughs> valid, valid, but probably wouldn't have looked as good either. And, you know, with all the nice yeah. filmmaking. That's the thing. This is a zombie movie that actually has, like, really nice cinematography, really nice score. It's, it's you know, the, the depravity is what most people are going to be talking about. And that's that's fine because it is probably the most out there quality of the film. But. This is actually a good film as well. Yeah. I've been saying the same thing about a Serbian film for over 10 years now. Yes, a Serbian film is one of the most debaucherous things <laughs> yeah. you can watch, but it's a well-made movie. It's got gorgeous cinematography. E- even the porn scenes are so beautifully, the way that they're lit with light and shadow, I just it's awesome. Oh, I love suburban film, yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Serbian like, film, oh, yeah. People weird. can't get past the debauchery. They just look at it as trash, and it's like... If you can, if you have the stomach to get past all the depravity, you actually see great filmmaking. And that's, you know, with a Serbian film and the sadness, you know, it, it's a shame when people say that they just call it trash to each his own. Like uh, I said, all opinions are valid. But and like I said, I'm not I'm not jumping on Derek's case. If, if Derek 100 percent hated the sadness, that's fine. That's his opinion. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to try to change him on that. But um, I forgot what my original point was. So. 
let's just move on. Yeah, let's move on before <laughs> we kill each other. No, no, I, was, I, was never, I will I was never gonna... kill anybody because of a movie opinion. Fuck that. <laughs> I was just about to say, uh, yeah, now that we're on a FBI watch list, it's probably a good time to take a break before our uh, main feature. <laughs> if I didn't get on Lacey Liu's case for calling Scream the best horror movie of 2022, no opinion is going to get me to jump on your case. <laughs> oh, my God. That conversation will... will I don't know if you're talking about the one from Fresh Cuts chat the other day, but like, oh god, uh, you and Brandon were fucking going off. I'm like, shut the fuck up, you two. Yeah, Dude, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even. Uh, I felt like people. You sounded like two scared. old grumpy old men. No, that didn't drink their cranberry juice when you just had your period. Not even. No, that's not even true. That <laughs> I, I, I will not own that. All I will say is. My two main points was I wasn't disparaging Scream at all. In fact, I was saying the he was opposite. defending it more than anybody. I was well, saying I was, that Scream yeah. Five was good, but in a year that that could be considered your number one, to me that tells you that the year overall is just not great. But because like, like it was a whole roundabout thing that got I think that got uh, diluted because once everyone started jumping in, but. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, I wasn't even trying to disparage the movie. No, no, not at all. Um, I didn't hate the movie. We've already had that conversation. I didn't hate the movie. But for my money, we've gotten the same Scream movie five times. I know Scream fans will jump down my throat for that, but it's just how I see it. All right. They, yeah. I watch them. They are, they're all the same shit to me. A stupid person killing for a stupid reason. No one, no killer in this series has ever had a valid reason to do the things that they're doing. Not a fucking Movies one. made him do it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. So, I know, at, at least you, you might want to talk shit about 80s slashers, cheesy slashers, but at least those killers had legit reasons to kill. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't okay. just because the internet told them they were stupid. Yeah. No, okay. So, here, okay. Now that I had a minute to like actually collect my thoughts on it. <laughs> I wasn't even sure this was even going to get brought up. I was talking about Scream. I was talking about like every movie you guys are. No, no, no. It, but but <laughs> I brought what it. you said, what you said, kind of goes back to it. All it kind of started because I was just making an overall kind of comment on 2022 so far, and I was like, yeah, to me, it's kind of similar to last year, maybe a little less good. And then I can't remember if it was Dan or Lacey that jumped in. It's like, well, instead of saying this be glad for like what we got i'm like well i'm not i'm not not grateful but i was like that's what we fucking do the movies that are coming out but i made a joke but here's the thing it was just hard to go see movies in theaters and to begin with you know too because of the pandemic and shit yeah well get me back to the theater with good shit then not media but but anyways the, it, what kicked it off because I made a jo- it was just a joke I was like well of course Lacey you're going to think this year is better than last year because of Scream oh, and just the fact that Scream came out this year the rest of the movie or the rest of the year could be shitty and you'll probably say 2022 is a better year but it was a joke I was just joking with her because we all know her love for everything Scream but I think 
she took it serious. Like I was literally trying to say that I would make the movie or the year better, but no, I was just joking with her because you know what? Anyone that's a super Uber fan of something specific, everyone teases them for it. That's just how it goes. So we know she's a Uber scream, everything fan. So anytime people have the opportunity, 2022 is the greatest year to be a nerdy fan. We got fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi back. We got Professor X. And I cried. We got the X-Men theme in a few properties already. It was amazing. No, I agree with Derek. It's definitely more a a nerd-tastic year than it is a horror-centric year. Um, I I, I personally don't like to get in that conversation. (coughs) You know, this year's worse than last year. It's like... Yeah, it's like I, I love horror. I, I just want to watch horror movies, and I appreciate when I have new horror movies. Are there as many 10 out of 10s this year than last year? Actually, I think I'm right around the same number, but that just is because there haven't been that many 10 out of 10s, honestly, over the last few years. Um, but to me, I don't like looking at a year, especially when we're only halfway through the year and saying, oh, yeah, this year is shit compared to last year. I don't think this year is that much worse than last year, honestly. Yeah, but that's what I I agree. But that's like once I could actually make my comments in that thread, that's what I said. I was oh, like, yeah. I'm not, and I even said my direct follow up message was, well, we're only in halfway through and I already know a list of like supposed hopeful movies that are still coming out. So I was like, we got six months and by the end of it, I could have a totally different opinion of the year overall. But I I think I was just mostly taken aback by people saying like, well, why are you Talking and I was like, because we're fucking horror podcasters. Like that's what we do. I, 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 every movie I, that comes out. Yeah, I think it's a little different though when you're doing it on like a public forum versus if we're talking amongst ourselves on like a show. You know, it's it's a little bit different. Like you know, like even me, I'm trying not to. Like some of those fucking people and some of those groups are fucking. Hard some people, cool. yeah. Some people well, get yeah, defensive. That's why I, really... I barely even post in those anymore because yeah. I just can't deal with it. Some people because there's don't... too much narrow one track toxicity, fucking bullshit, and I'm sick of it. I wouldn't even go so far as to say toxic. It's just misunderstandings. People, you know, when you say something bad about a certain movie, fans of that movie are going to come out of the woodwork and attack you. Whether whether you're whether what you're saying is factually true or not the fans of that franchise are going to come out of the woodwork and start flaming you. And you know, it happens, Uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily saying that scream was a bad movie in that chat. I do question a horror podcaster saying that it's the best horror movie of the year. Now, obviously we all have our personal favorites and and that's kind of where that conversation uh, veered off. Best versus favorite favorite versus best. Do it all the time. Yeah. Like, if you want to say Scream is your favorite movie of 2022, that's fine. That's a factual statement that I 100% respect. But if you say that Scream is the best horror movie of 2022, then I'm going to get on my soapbox. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, I, I, you know, I'm just getting at that point Rick. in the age where it's like, I don't want to fucking argue with these people oh, anymore. No. If no, they no, like no. what they like, they like it. You know, it's whatever to me, you know. Exactly. I and I'm just like Mike. I I like talking. I to think I'm turning to Dave Z as longer as I do this more. I guess. Well, we all are. <laughs> We're all turning into you know crotchety old men. That's that's uh, fine. But yeah, um, 
despite you know any animosity that may have been perceived in that conversation, I, I love Lacey Lou to death. Oh, I don't think there was any animosity, which yeah, I, I, love, I love. That's Lacey why I specifically. Yeah, I I love it. You like I almost think that, that in a text people context is very hard to perceive in a text. So when we're in one of those group chats and you say something bluntly, some people might perceive the attitude that you're adding to that statement. You know what I mean? Like they're going to think it, that you're being a more aggressive than you plus actually it, plus are. Plus it reads like yes. in text it reads differently than if you would say it out loud. 100%. Well, Derek gets it. Yeah. I, I agree when it comes to people. So the the reason I specifically talk like that in our chat threads and not like posting it to the public is because for the most part, people, all of us in the chat, we know each other well enough where we probably know half the shit all of us are going to say. Like that chant or chime. I know pretty much what his attitude is going to be on things even before he says it. And yeah, he just reiterated when he said, but I'm almost like laughing at it and not like taking like, Oh, this is like a serious, like, I don't yeah, think yeah. anyone was angry about anything in there. I think it was, everyone just starts going. But to me, that's like more of a safe environment to go at each other, not aggressively and in mean spirited way, but we're free to kind of like have those arguments where if I, yeah, make most of my comments were just about like, like hell, most of my comments in the chat were like, yeah, Beast would probably be my number one movie this year because it's a Killer Lion movie. <laughs> it has my, yeah, my boy Idris in it. That's, you know? that's the reason I choose not to make those kind of statements like on the Joe Bob group page or formerly, what the fuck is it, Shockwave's back. Like, that's why I didn't post there because oh, I was like, no way, I'm not going to deal with the bullshit. The group probably Like, I feel like, the, I feel like the people in our chat even if they think I'm a moron for my opinions, at least I know that's where it begins and ends. It's, it's, it's no one thinks, talking our opinion. No one thinks it. you're a moron. Everybody thinks you're an asshole. I don't, that's, that's different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you combine the two, I'll, I'll, gla- I'll gladly. Out. Oh, me too. That's I'd my rather point. be an like, asshole than ignorant any day of the week. And that's my whole point to begin with. That's because we know each other like that. Like that. I don't, I don't dwell on it for like the next 48 hours. Right. Like, oh no, Venom said this. Like, what is it? What does it ultimately mean? It's, it's no, I don't care. We're all the problem cool. is We're that cool with each other. Every, the problem is, is not everyone is you. Not everyone has the same mentality as you. You have to be kind of cognizant of the fact that there might be people in there that maybe have slightly more fragile egos. And I'm not saying oh. you should treat people with kid gloves because they have a fragile ego. I'm just saying well, maybe uh, watch- there's the. I- Leave this chat option anytime that anyone oh, can course. use. Uh, I try to leave the chat. And I don't. And, chat. No, and, don't, and don't, don't do that either. Don't be that guy that says if you don't like it, get out. I, I well, no, know, I, that's like somebody it. saying if you don't like America, get out. It's, it's a silly statement. Um, yeah, obviously. And I, and, I would. You and, know. and I don't want to paint the picture of our chat. It's not some crazy like over the top. Yeah. Anything goes. Any. I'm just talking about when we just argue about horror. Like that's all I mean by that. And it was, um, but yeah, ultimately, yeah, sure. you know, I have never told someone to leave anything. No, never, really. Never, never. The option is there for them because I feel like anyone that wants to should be able to. But I've never been like you're out of here or banned or anything yeah. like that because I've never really had interaction with anyone that's 
ever been to that level where I thought someone needed to uh-huh. be banned, you know? I have, but that's different. That's a story for another day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's not to take away from anyone uh, else's uh, experience. What I usually do is give people times out in some chats when it's getting too fucking, you know, in a certain chat that me and Venom are in. Oh, yeah. I mean, there have been plenty of times I've muted a chat just because two or three people are arguing and it's just, it's, it's meaningless yeah. to me personally. So it's like, well, I'm just going to mute you. You guys have your argument, Some, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes chats, cause I don't know why the hell I'm even in there. And I'm like, I'm getting notifications for this chat and I don't know what people are talking about. Why I'm even in here in the first place. Mute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just to save me from like the notifications and not even against anyone that's in the chat. Yeah. Right. For but, tangent number <laughs> 17. Yeah. Our burning question was about Mike. We can't keep on track with anything. We're, we're a mess, guys. Yeah, yeah. What is going on? I'm not even drunk. I'm fucking straight sober. What's going on? Well, yeah, here will be our heartbreak because my freaking beverage is empty and I need to refill it. So we will be back yep. with this episode's movies, which I never even mentioned, but they are. You never mentioned ha- it. <laughs> Almost ever, yeah. <laughs> so old school haunted house movies coming up after the break. I'm Vincent Price, and you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. So won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hooray. Or you'll be late for your own funeral. God, it knows I'm here. the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen but it does happen now look doc we're buddies okay but don't try to convert me i'm trying to prepare you my name's markway dr markway a scientist interested in the supernatural the unnatural if you like i came to hill house to find the key to another world assisting me in this exploration of the unknown was eleanor nell who could look back into the past and theo Something of a witch who could see into the future. This is Luke, who didn't believe in anything. Until evil, patient and waiting, made him change his mind. Stop it! 
How many of us take seriously the things we cannot or do not want to understand simply because we are afraid? Elena, you're poor! Did you hear me calling? Oh, this house. You have to watch it every minute. The Haunting was produced and directed by Robert Wise, brilliant producer of West Side Story. The stars consist of a cross-section of top talent in the world of entertainment. Julie Harris, Claire Bloom, Richard Johnson, Russ Tamblin. What does it take to convince you that the dead do not always rest in peace? But some houses, like Hill House, are born bad. <laughs> Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go! And now, on with the show. All right, we are back with our movies. We're going to go in chronological order. Not important to, but hey, that's the order I have them tabbed out on my browser. So we're going to start with House on Haunted Hill. And I, I will make a side note. Both of these movies do have a remake, and I have seen the remakes once. I, I think I actually saw both the remakes in the theater. and I We came in around the same time, too, these two mm -hmm. remakes. Yeah, and I think there's good reason I haven't, or that I don't remember them well and haven't revisited them since, but maybe we'll talk more about that later. Mm -hmm. So House on a Haunted Hill, 1959. This one actually only clocks in at an hour and 15 minutes, so if you're kind of looking uh, for an entry point for either just this era of horror in general, maybe an old haunted house movie, or you're looking for your first William Castle movie uh, with Vincent Price, uh, may I add, this could be a good candidate for uh, you to watch to get kind of get the ball rolling. So a millionaire offers 10,000 to five people who agree to be locked in a large spooky rented house overnight with him and his wife. So you know, right off the bat, I'll say if anyone that knows William Castle, to me, lots of gags going on in this. I, I love kind of his very direct approach to to his brand of horror. It, it, it could almost be seen as comedic in some ways, and especially when you're looking at it now through the 2022. I'm like, are we? Yeah, 2022. Level, uh, just some of the more gaggy or gags, horror gags in it. Um, like, you know, the arm that reaches around the corner, but no full monster, but just to elicit the scare 
or the probably you know the famous scene in this with the skeleton uh the, the skeleton death which is cool the hanging all sorts of different uh horror gags in this that really drive the story vincent price classic as always he's just the film presence that always uh improves a horror movie for the most part and then like i said william castle it's it it very much feels like his brand of horror here but uh, i want to hear what you guys have to say i'll start with Derek. i imagine you have seen this before but what did you think of house on haunted hill yeah 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 I've, i've seen house on haunted hill before and I dig it. I dig it a lot for what it does for like a the small scale story that it tells where, you know, this millionaire offers money to like five people, you know, and spend a night with me in this haunted house. And you know, I like like the the melodrama that happens. It very it feels very uh soap opera ish with like a fucking wife and him fighting all the time <laughs> you know but then it, it, then the plot moves along like a pace and you know you meet some fun quirky characters my favorite has to be elijah cook jr in this movie who plays the man who like you know survived in the house you know he's like the guy who owns the house winston Pitchard. watson yeah watson yeah he's pretty fucking fun i always like that guy in movies though he's a pretty fun character actor and Vincent Price is great in this too, uh, you know. And the lady who plays his wife, Carol Omart, I want to say, is her name. She's fun too. She's you know they have fun chemistry, you know, back and forth. And you know the story's pretty standard. You know it has like that offbeat. You know where you get with a lot of William Castle movies. The one downside that I do have with a lot of William Castle movies is I think. Like especially with, like the way that he does gimmicks, this movie would work better if you actually did see it in theater with the actual live gimmick. I I kind of learned that when watching the Tingler recently, and you know the gimmick of that's you know there's a scene where the screen grows black and it's supposed to be the Tinglers you know fucking attacking you in the theater and you get like electric shocks coming from the seats. It plays a little bit differently and you know when you're watching it at home, would that effect not happen to you? And, you know, it would have been cool, because I did hear about this, like, they actually had, like, a skeleton prop that flew in in the theater. And, you know, I do wish I got to experience that part of, like, the William Castle lore. But it's a fun film, and I really enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, I I was on mute a little longer there, because my Cat, like woke up from a dream or something. Sorry, meowing. I was trying to avoid that getting on the microphone. Um, Venom, House on a Haunted Hill thoughts? Oh, yeah. I love this movie. This is an absolute classic. Um, very first time I saw this was on a Halloween night. Um, I want to say it was sometime in the early 80s. Uh, probably would have been like TNT or, C, or you know TBS, one of those uh, Ted Turner stations that would do the Halloween marathons all day, October 31st. I remember this coming on and, you know, knowing I had never seen it when I hadn't watched it and had an absolute blast. Now, I will fully admit that I didn't even think this was a horror movie the first time I saw it. I thought this was a legit comedy. Um, and, and again, it's just, you know, my uncultured eyes, you know, still kind of a young, you know, I was I was what I would have been like 11 or 12 the first time I saw this movie. So, you know, 
I, I had seen Vincent Price and stuff like a comedy of terrors and uh, some of his more comedic roles. So when I saw this and like, I saw the interaction with him and his wife, um, you know, the silliness of like Lance getting knocked out in that empty room and, uh, you know, grandma on her new pair of roller skates. I, I just remember thinking this was a comedy the first time I saw it. It wasn't until years later that I really saw it as the horror film that it is. Um, it does still have a lot of funny stuff in it. I mean, um, discount Dick Miller, uh, uh, Watson Pritchard is damn fucking hysterical throughout the whole movie. <laughs> discount just, Dick Miller. Discount Dick Miller. Because <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought it was Dick Miller one of the first times I saw the movie. And when I realized it was Elijah Cook, I'm like, oh, shit. This would have been like 10, 15 years ago. But yeah. Um, probably one of the most entertaining characters in the movie, next to Vincent Price, of course. But um, yeah, the movie works great as a little haunted house movie. I've always kind of been on the fence on... And, and I think that's kind of William Castle's intention, too, on whether this house is actually haunted or if every single thing that happened in the film was man-made, you know? Um, you know, there's schools of thoughts on both sides of it. it. You know, obviously the rope trick outside the window would be really hard to pull off for, you know, the mm -hmm. two people. So, you know, so there's that element of, oh, maybe there is something going on at this house. But they still leave it ambiguous enough that, you know, there's that little bit of, you know, questioning that was this real or was it not? So I always appreciated that. I appreciated the scheme, how Vincent Price kind of comes off as the villain early on. But then later on, we actually find out he's the victim. He's obviously a savvy, swarmy, kind of douchey victim, but he still technically was the victim. So, mm -hmm. um, Yeah, so and yeah, I, think, I, I, I think it's uh, an unintentional laugh for me. This watch around was... Uh, after the skeleton uh, pushes her into like the acid bath or whatever, yeah, when when he comes walking out with like this huge contraption of how he controlled yeah. the skeleton, it just cracked me up. I mean, I, I don't think it was originally to be funny, but yeah, I mean, just the idea that like you're controlling the skeleton that precisely with that contraption, like. On top Come of the on, fact that like, we don't see the strings while it's happening, but then as soon as the woman dies, suddenly we see all the strings connecting to it. It's kind of funny. yeah, and he, he he's kind of like it looks like he's like spinning a wheel on it. I was like, what the hell would that do to control the thing? Like it, it was just kind of funny, funny to me. And yeah. that's valid too. But that's kind of what's cool about this movie is that literally right after killing the most attractive character in the movie, we're laughing because we see Vincent Price come out from the woodwork with his remote control for his skeleton. It's like, what the hell did I just watch? I mean, the first couple of times watching this, it was a little bit of a surprise, um, especially, you know, the fact they were able to pull off the hanging gag and then, you know, the outside the window gag, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, everything that the that the caretakers did, you know, roller skating grandma and creepy grandpa, uh, everything that they did had to have been at the request of Vincent Price's character. So, you know, I don't really look at them as being, you know, aggressively, you know, trying to hurt anybody in the movie. I think they're just kind of in, they're the staff of the house and the house is being rented. So they have to yeah. follow the instructions of the person renting the house. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I have a this is an annual watch for me. I watch this every October. Um, whether I watch the straight version or the Rift Tracks version or the Mystery Science Theater version, whatever the case may be, I definitely still watch this every October. 
Um, just it's just a favorite of mine. You know, it's comfort food. It's not scary in any way, shape, or form. It has its comedic moments. It has its tense moments too. Yeah. I'm sure back in '59, some of the scenes in here were pretty fucking tense for audiences. So. And, I, I, yeah. and Mike, before we go any further, I I love how you connected like these two movies where they like, try to drive the main like girl character insane through both. <laughs> Yeah, no, these yeah. are two. This is a great pairing. I mean, these are two legitimately. These are two of the greatest haunted house movies ever made. I know you can make an argument for House on a Haunted Hill being a little bit comedic with the William Castle element and, you know, the gimmicks and everything else, whereas the haunting comes off as maybe slightly more serious because there's almost no yeah. comedy in haunting. But I, I, I still think this is a great, great um, haunted house movie. Just a uh, this is a Halloween standard for me. It, it's good for the kids. It's not too scary for the kids. It's a good family. You know, all ages will enjoy this. It's you know, it's not overly tense. It's definitely not gory or you know, blood filled in any way. <coughs> yeah. Um, but this yeah, is, I, yeah, I, I love this movie. Yeah, I was gonna say because like when I first got into William Castle, it was kind of uh, he was kind of known as like the B movie version of Hitchcock because some of his movies, they really had like a pretty intense um, storyline behind like the killer and like the motivation. And he would try to do like the similar like Hitchcock style twist. Right. It's just that everything that preceded it seemed a little bit less serious or a little more tongue in cheek than what you would find in a Hitchcock movie. Whereas house on haunted Hill it is William Castle, but it almost has like just the haunted house aspect to it. Uh, it has a little bit more of like a whimsical tone to it. Like it almost kind of reminds me of like if you were staying in like the Adams family house like overnight. There's a lot of like you you would find these similar gags and like going on in the Adams family house. Like oh, oh you go to open up a candy dish and thing or not thing, but uh, yeah, 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 thing comes, comes yeah, out thing. of it to like scare you, scare the candy or you to drop your candy or like you go to hang your jacket in the closet and cousin it's in there it almost kind of has like that feel uh to me in this one yeah it's like a horror comedy and maybe the comedic aspects have intensified over the years just because mm-hmm. of like the evolution of film and what we see portrayed on screen so maybe that's just unintentional it's a more sign of the times yeah. Yeah. Every time I watch this, Nora just is funnier and funnier to me. She, her, just her being scared, not intentional funny, obviously, but just the fact that this woman is so goddamn terrified. I cannot believe that she needed the money so badly that she was willing to come here because from the start, she's fucking terrified, already screaming that she wants to leave and blah, blah, blah. It's like, why the hell did you even come here? I know $10,000 back in 59. I think that's equal to 65,000 today. So it's a, yeah. it's a decent chunk of money. Um, but it's like, you know, if I was scared of the ocean, you couldn't pay me enough to go swimming in the ocean. So I don't understand why this timid little flower decides to go to this, you know, famously haunted house um, just for a little bit of money. It just doesn't make sense. Like like I said, I I understand the need for money drives people to do crazy things, but I don't know. Like I said, there are certain things that you couldn't pay me enough to do. So I'm kind of surprised, especially with this girl, because, you know, she was a young, attractive girl. Yeah, she might have money problems, but it's like that's not going to be forever. You know, (laughs) I don't know. It, It just felt weird. That's all. 
Yeah. But overall, I love the movie. I think this is fun. As I've already said, it's a Halloween standard for me. I watch it every October, um, you know, regardless. And uh, yeah, just fun, fun, fun. Fun is the best word I could put to describe this because it ain't scary. It's mildly tense, but it's just and if you love Vincent Price, which I adore Vincent Price, it's always great to see him on screen. I've talked about him in my favorite Vincent Price movie, um, The Last Man on Earth. And, you know, A Comedy of Terrors, I mentioned earlier, that's one of my favorite films of his, too. So, yeah, my mother, my mother instilled a love of Vincent Price with me. My mother was a huge Vincent Price fan. Um, also, Christopher Lee, my, my, my mother's favorite Dracula is Christopher Lee. Go figure. So I, I, uh, early on, I got my Christopher Lee and Vincent Price education from my mother. So I'm definitely uh, uh, averse on that. Yeah. Uh, my mom, uh, it's so sad that in, in her later years, my mom isn't really into horror as much as she used to be. My mother got me into horror, folks. I mean, this is a woman who took me, a 10-year-old Mr. Venom, she took to go see Friday the 13th opening night back in 1980 because she couldn't find a babysitter. And you know what? She changed me that night. I, I became a new person that night. I, I, I think I became Mr. Venom that night, if you will. I just, yeah. Watching that movie in theaters, being the only kid in the only theater sitting next to his mother and just ear to ear grin the entire time. Like I, I going into it because this was going to be like my first theatrical horror film um, and I going into it, I was terrified. My fucking heart was racing. It felt like it was going to jump out of my chest. But literally, as soon as the movie starts ear to ear grin and I fucking <laughs> loved it and I left that theater a completely different person. So, yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> now, now i'm curious when you say she's not that much into horror like, is it just modern or she just doesn't watch it period no not at all yeah like once i hit like 20 25 years old she never really like to this day she i try to get her to go see like the big new horror movies like you know the jordan peels and the ari asters and yeah she's just not interested uh, I, I think her exact line is life is a horror movie already. So I don't need to watch any in my old age. I think something along those lines is her uh, little catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't argue that logic. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. I just hope that doesn't happen to me. I, I hope I don't get old and suddenly lose my taste for horror. Cause yeah, I, I don't like dramas. I mean, I'm a 50 plus year old man who doesn't like dramas. So I really well, see, hope I die with a horror Blu-ray in my hand. <laughs> see, I would I would almost take your mom's sentiment and do the reverse and say, real life is such a horror show that horror movies don't affect me, and that's why I continue to... Well, they don't exactly. affect me the same way when I can turn on the news and it's like, this is more depressing than anything I've seen in all. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so, I mean... It, the, the the horror lover that I am today is because of my mother, and a big part of that was Vincent Price. So, yeah, I, I have an unending love for this movie. I'm not going to call this a 10 out of 10 or a perfect horror, uh, haunted house film by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, I genuinely love it. It's, it I think it's, it's a, a great entry theory. point. Yeah, a great entry point for this era and this style. Yes. I, I it's, think not, ages, it's not yeah. over. Yeah, it's not an overcomplicated story it gets right to the point an hour and 15 minutes that's a pretty good for a trial run you know Mm-hmm. 100 percent. yeah 13 ghosts is pretty rad too yeah another that, remake that came out right around the same time yeah fucking because <laughs> i never actually seen 13 ghosts until i did that 
series with Duncan on the William Castles. Oh, I love that movie. And yo, I didn't even know Margaret Hamilton was in that movie. I was fucking like nerding mm-hmm. out. It was like watching Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness <laughs> with the Wicked Witch of the West. And they kept yeah, calling her a, a witch in the in the movie too. It was great. Yep. <laughs> And as opposed to the movies we're talking about today, that one actually has a pretty good remake. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's it, What's funny is that it's the special feature that's one of the coolest things. If you buy uh, either the DVD or the Blu-ray, there's a special Biography feature about the 13 ghosts. ghosts. Yeah, like yeah. The, what they were in light. I love that feature. I it, every I can't watch 13 Ghosts without watching that feature right after it. It's like I have to. I, it, it makes the movie for me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the, the House on Haunted Hill remake. Uh, well, actually, that one's not as bad as our second movie today, as far as the remakes go. Yeah, I enjoyed it up to a certain part, and I think you know what part I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. The, <laughs> yeah. the CGI Jeffrey Combs face. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah out, like out of the two, out of the remakes of the two films, I remember the haunting a little bit because Liam Neeson was in that one, right? And Owen yeah, Wilson. Unfortunately. Whoa. And, uh, yeah. Dude, the cast for that haunting remake on paper should have been spectacular. Lily yeah. Taylor. Neeson, Lily Owen Taylor. Wilson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and the chick who Ka- played Nora. Lily Taylor, yeah. Lily Taylor. I mean, on paper, that cast is amazing. Yet, they put out one of the shittiest fucking horror movies of the 90s. Ah. Um, well... <laughs> With that said, I think that's a good way to transition into actual the original haunting. Let's do it. 1963, so four short years later after the our first feature, this one was actually rated G, which is I, I don't even know how to seriously take the ratings from way back then anyway, but it is rated G. Although this one, hour and fifty-two minutes, so we're getting a more drawn-out, you know, winding story a little bit more to this one. He'll house has stood for about 90 years and appears haunted. Its inhabitants have always met strange, tragic ends. Now, Dr. John Markway has assembled a team of people who he thinks will prove whether or not the house is haunted. So another kind of setup where it's like, is it or is it not haunted? Is this all being orchestrated by our uh, you know, uh, guest of honor or what is what is going on behind the scares of the movie? Uh, so let's get some opinions on this one. Venom, I'll start with you this time. The Haunting. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen it before. What did you think? I've seen it. I've owned it on every form of media it's ever existed. My friends, this is one of the greatest haunted house movies ever made, in my opinion. Uh, in my opinion, this is one of the three. I, I have a holy trinity of haunted house movies. Three of the greatest haunted house movies, in my opinion, of course. Three of my favorites. They are The Innocence, The Changeling, and The Haunting. Those three movies are three of the most terrifying haunted house movies I've ever seen in my life. They are still effective to this day. I mean, watching The Haunting from 1963 recently for this show... There are a couple of very, very intense scenes in there, and that's saying a lot for a movie that's over 50 years old or, uh, yeah, just over 50 years old, 51, uh, 60. No, it's over 60 years old. What am I saying? Jesus. Um, But, yeah, my friends, uh, The Haunting 
in my opinion, as I've already said, one of the greatest haunted house movies ever. I absolutely love the character setups here. I love all the characterizations. All the characters are spectacular. Great performances, specifically Richard Johnson as Dr. Mark Way, just a spectacular kind of host for the festivities. Oh. Um, Oh, for what's going on here. Uh, we've got a great lore. We've got, you know, for, of the house, the man who built the house. Um, they don't have to add all the extra shit that they added for the remake, which is one of the reasons I can't stand the remake. Um, uh, just the, all the story changes that they did to it. This is a nice, simple story. It's just about a story of a man who didn't like people, so he built a house as isolated as he possibly could, and then, you know, tragedy occurred at the house in, you know, in succession over the years. So, you know, very simple story, very simple setup, but so goddamn effective. I mean, there is a scene in this movie where where the two women are being kind of uh, assaulted by a spirit in the house, literally just banging on the walls. That's it. It's literally just banging on the walls, but it's such an effective scene, the way that it's shot, the way that the camera moves throughout this scene, the way that the sound moves even, because you can't always tell where the knocking's coming from until finally towards the end of the scene, it gets isolated right at the door, the front door of the bedroom that they're in. Um, just an incredibly effective, uh, yeah, effective scene for me. And then there's scenes in this movie that aren't even horror scenes necessarily that I love. There are scene, there's a scene here near the statue of the man who built the house where Nora suddenly starts dancing around it. Something about Nora's dancing and her humming in that scene is fucking terrifying to me. I don't know what it is. It, she's just doing a simple little like pirouette around the statue and she's humming, uh, you know, a, a beautiful tune, but something about it is fucking haunting. No pun intended. Just, I, I really love that. It's not meant to be a scary scene. It ends up getting broken up with a scary, a, a little bit of scariness. A, a door opens at the end of the scene, terrifying everyone. But uh, I, I just love this film. As I've said, I mean, what better compliment can I give it as it's one of three of the greatest haunted house movies I've ever seen. Um, I will absolutely die on this hill. I, I love this movie to death. I love every single character, every single set piece, um, the, the rickety staircase leading up to where the maid killed herself, you know, in, in previous years. I just everything about this movie I fucking love. And like I said, Richard Johnson as Dr. Mark Way is just the anchor for this whole thing, whereas we got a little bit of the silliness with people like Elijah Cook and Vincent Price in House on a Haunted Hill, none of that silliness in this movie. And not to say that that's a detriment to House on a Haunted Hill. That's part of the reason why it's so watchable. This movie is 100% serious. There is no comedy in here. Very few attempts at levity. Um, it's with some effective scenes, a satisfying ending, um, an ending that some people may not understand right away or on first watch, but... I, over the years, as I, I I own this movie many times over, like I said, and I watch this a lot. So this is one of those movies that I watch at least once a year without fail. Maybe not always in October, but yeah, without question, one of my favorite haunted house movies ever. Um, I think I've already said that six times, so I'm going to stop here. <laughs> but yeah, I can't recommend this movie enough. Absolutely adore it. It's a little too slow for some people. You kind of have to be a fan of slow burns. 
And also, some people aren't very satisfied with the ending because it, it, for whatever reason, people wanted to actually see a spirit. You know, they want to see, um, you know, something tangible, something standing in front of them, an antagonist of some kind. Whereas you don't get that here. Everything is implied, and it's so effective for me that, like I said, it makes it one of the greatest ghost movies ever. Yeah, I, I think that's like for someone watching these back to back, if it's their first time for both, the, the first thing that's going to like jump out is this one's a much more like slow burn story, mm-hmm. in-depth, you know, stuff going on where you kind of kind of pay attention to everything that's going on with the characters. So once once you get to the end, you're, you're understanding like, you know, everything. Um just like kind of like a fun romp for like an hour and 15 minutes, you know? So yeah. And I can see where people think my, this might be too slow or just too long. I, I still love it as well. I think it's like expert in craft, like the expert craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And this one is there on display. I think it's, it's timeless. And it, it, it if, if it, if you don't consider it still having done so, I think at least for its time, it's, at the standard for haunted house movies but yeah and the pedigree that this director okay, i'm assuming you've seen this one before too but what did you think of the haunting well, who me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i love the haunting it's fucking robert wise man yes one of the greatest filmmakers ever if you like he did this after he did fucking west side story yeah yeah and you know he did it with half the not even half the budget of West Side Story. That shows you how great of a filmmaker he is, you know. And you know, I think I had to give it detriment because it has a lot of like the feel of like his early work that he did with Val Luton, which if you watch a lot of the early Val Luton movies, all shot in black and white, kind of have the same atmosphere as he does with The Haunting, and it's fucking great. I in Richard Johnson, I, you, you know I already love him because he's in Zombie, so there's there's no fucking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he's fucking great. I love Russ Hamblin in this movie as Luke. Yeah. You know, the, the skeptic one. He's kind of like, sort of like the sly comic relief of the movie, you know, with some of the comments he makes, and, you know, it's kind of funny. Because I watched this and War of the Gargantuans at the same time, and he's in both of those. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, it's just a great story, and you know, uh, very, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Faithful to the source material, Shirley Jackson's novel. Uh, it's just a great movie. Uh, I can't. I, I agree with everything Venom said. You know, I can't really add anything to it because you know. I just love it. I, I can see why people might not like it as much as I do, you know, because of the things Venom said as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's a fantastic movie with two great female characters in it, too. I love the back and forth between Eleanor and Theodore. It's fucking great. Uh, it, I just love this movie, you know. You know, it's great stuff. Yeah, I mean, they they, they even tackle a little bit of, like... Uh, uh, lesbian kind of um, influences because obviously there's uh, <laughs> there's little lesbian tendencies throughout the movie, not from uh, Theodora, but obviously from her roommate or what the hell is her name? Is it Theodora? Theodora's the lesbian one. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I Eleanor's mean, Eleanor's the 
The other one. The, you know, the playful manner that Theodora talks to Eleanor when they're told that, uh, you know, that the doctor wants them to stay in the same room. It, it's so funny because Eleanor is such a good girl that I think she completely missed the innuendo. Like the, the, the double entendre there when Theodora was like, oh, don't worry, we'll find something fun to do. And then she looks over at Luke and kind of gives a sly smile. Whereas, yeah, Eleanor is just completely clueless to what she said. I, yeah, I totally love that di- uh, that dichotomy there. Yeah. And also, it's kind of weird because I just actually finally watched the Mike Flanagan TV show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I said, it takes me a while to get the things. And, you know, I kind of like how they, like, build the Theodore from that show. Like, she's, like, full-blown lesbian bringing girls home. It's, like, fucking great. (laughs) That show is fucking awesome. And speaking of which, it's actually... We should actually talk about that, too, because there's actually a cameo from Russ Tamblyn in that show, which I fucking loved because I just watched this and then watched that episode that happened. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> and he's playing Dr. fucking... What's the doctor's name? Lenore or whatever. Markway. Dr. Markway. He Mark- plays oh, Dr. Mark- yeah, he plays... Yeah. Russ Tamblyn plays Dr. Markway yep. on the Legend of Hill House, the Haunted Hill House show. Oh, maybe they're connected, awesome. and we just never noticed. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he played Luke in the original movie. It's kind of funny. He's playing Mark Way, who's a skeptic doctor, psychiatrist in right. that show. So it's funny. Absolutely. Hell, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, it's just a classic, like, I don't know what else to say there is that hasn't been said. I thought it would be a good pairing. I mean, I hadn't seen House on Haunted Hill in so long. I was like, what? A lot of times when it when it comes to my picks, I always have like a movie in mind. And I was like, well, The Haunting is an absolute classic. I, I'm pretty sure my hosts or co-hosts have seen this before, but hey, maybe it's time to rewatch them again. It, so it'd been funny if, if, it would have been funny if you actually paired it with The Innocents because I'm watching The Haunting of Blind man right now nice i'm glad i didn't go and do something stupid and pick the remakes because then i wouldn't have co-hosts anymore (laughs) no yeah you would have been recording this alone i I, I actually have some you know i'm not gonna say the haunted because i agree the haunted remakes a bad movie but i died laughing when owen wilson gets decapitated oh hell yeah (laughs) i actually have a funny story for the haunting um i saw this in theaters i saw the haunting in theaters and I, I walked out of the theater loving it, believe it or not. I, I I just, I remember thinking, you know, this was the time when, you know, CG was just starting to get its feet. So even though the CG in this movie is terrible by today's standards, at the time, I just thought it was like a big roller coaster ride. Um, I hadn't seen the original a- up to that point. So I obviously had no frame of reference. Once I saw the original, I realized, yeah, the remake is garbage, but I think I revisited the remake like maybe 10 years after it came out. And that's when I realized, holy shit, what was wrong with me back then? I I just don't know what the hell I was watching because watching it 10 years later, the story is garbage. The effects are garbage. Catherine Zeta-Jones is garbage in this movie. I'm sorry. I usually like her. She's garbage in this movie. I'm very sorry. Yeah, she's one of the worst parts of the movie. Absolutely. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't, that, I can't even watch that. Like I refuse to watch that movie. Plus, now. plus you can't really watch it 
No, because all you think about is Scary Movie 2 with half the scenes. In. Oh, I'd rather watch Scary Movie 2, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. any day of the week, I'd rather watch <laughs> but, that. But, I mean, like I said, you're taking, as I've already said, you're taking one of the three greatest haunted house movies ever made, and you're turning it into a CGI extravaganza, and that's just never going to work. Like, why would you think that would work? And and even and the funny thing is, is that The Haunting was a success. It actually made money in theaters, uh, uh. kind of surprising. Um Obviously not enough of a success to warrant any sequels or anything, thank God. But it actually did make some money. Um, like I said, it was a pretty big release when it came out. I remember a lot of people were interested in going to see it. It was like a resurgence, you know, because as we've already mentioned, you know, we got the House on Haunted Hill remake right around the same time. Um, 13 Ghosts a little bit after that. So it's like we started getting a resurgence of Haunted House remakes and, you know. With varying degrees of quality, again, you know, some were good, some were bad, and the haunting. I mean, you literally, I mean, I, I can make an argument for the original haunting being the greatest haunted house movie ever made. I could literally have a debate with someone and have a just bullet point list of why I think it is the greatest haunted house movie ever made. And then they go and make the the remake, and it's literally one of the worst haunted house remakes ever made it's 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 it does such a disservice to the original sometimes too i wonder if people would refuse to watch the original because the remake is so bad you know what i mean so hopefully that bad remake from 99 isn't like forcing people not to watch this original because if you have not seen this movie folks it's definitely not for everyone i'm not going to sit here and say that every horror genre fan is going to be into this movie no it's incredibly slow the first half of this film is very slow and even the second half of the film where there's actual stuff going on it still might not be enough for modern horror fans as i've said there's no visual antagonist in this film it's a lot of noises bumps in the night things moving blah 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 that's what you're getting but the fact that it's still so effective despite not having all the bells and whistles of a modern haunted house movie is one of the reasons that it makes it one of the greatest. In my opinion, I could watch this movie anytime, any day of the week. I just, even at its two hour running time, it flies by for me always does. So yeah, it's just an acquired taste. That's all. Um, Uh, If someone said they hated this movie, I wouldn't give them too much shit for it. Oh, that makes sense. Why the haunting turned out the way it did. What's that? Spielberg was the producer. That makes sense. That makes a lot of fucking sense, actually. Because the, 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 it's funny, we just finished talking about the concept of spectacle in Nope, and that's exactly what they turned the haunting remake into. It was a fucking mm-hmm. spectacle. There was no story, uh, at least not a good story. Um, you know, character development was basically zero, story arcs, all of it. It's literally just a CGI extravaganza. If that's what you like, awesome. Apparently, back in 99, that's what I liked. But as, as my uh, taste got a little bit more refined, I realized that movie is just not very good. And like I said, the last time I watched it was maybe five to ten years ago. And that's it. I'm not watching that movie anymore. I refuse. Fucking Spielberg. As long as the original exists and I have a copy of it, there is no reason to watch the remake. Yeah, the the remake definitely felt like it suffered from modern audience-itis, where the studios are like, hey, we're going to take this classic property, but what do we got to do to make the modern audiences like it? And that, took that a really long decision. Decapitate Owen Wilson and, you know, and have Bruce Jarrett 
Byrne, who's the best part of the movie. Yeah, exactly like Venom said, spectacle. They they figure we'll just make it a big spectacle, and the modern audiences will eat it up. Well, no, because without the story, it's. Sadly, though, they are kind of right. The modern audiences did eat it up. Like I said, it was a moderate success. It wasn't a huge success, but it made money. It made its yeah. money back. Yeah. It made a profit. And I remember that Friday when I went on opening night, it was sold out. So, I mean, it was it was successful in the sense that they got butts in the seats. But obviously, you know, 20 plus years later, yeah. we look back at it as, as a joke. Yeah, right? I remember it was terribly reviewed because that's when I actually followed like reviews. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, you know, so I knew what I was going to get myself into going to do. You know, I was like, yeah, but then Scary Movie 2 came out. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you when, know, a, when a comedy parody does scary scenes better than an actual horror movie, yeah, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually kind of I like Jan de Bont as a director, and you know, this is like the downfall was this and Speed Two for me for him. Yeah, because I love Twister, I like the original Speed, sure. and uh, and you know, I think the one thing that kind of made him. Not the right part because he got, actually just got like his uh, dream project, which was supposed to be Godzilla '98, taken away from him. Right. From Roland Emmerich. Oh God. <sighs> yeah. Imagine at least we, Roland Emmerich didn't direct this. It would be even worse. Yeah. Though if they swapped, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, because because he actually had Stan Winston working on the Godzilla design, and you know they actually released a figure for it. Like Stan Winston's original design for Godzilla '98, and it looks fucking amazing. Way better than the Jay Leno iguana. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll try to look it up and send you a picture of it, and you'll love it. Hell yeah! You'll be like, we could have got this. But yeah, it's <laughs> fucking yeah, haunting remake, not great. Just watch the first the five seconds of Bruce Dern. That's about it. <laughs> yep, that's about it. That's where it begins and ends. <laughs> and then, or if you want to see like Liam Neeson doing an early take on his Taken character, I, I have a very usual set of skills as a psychiatrist. I will train you to be a Jedi. Yeah, so, he has a lot of unique set of skills that he needs to share with the world. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like stop, <laughs> stop making them unique with the world. Needs these skills. He's like the Charles Bronson of this era. Like he just does the same <laughs> movie over and over now. <laughs> Stan Winston's oh, Godzilla man. is very lizard-like. I like it. Yeah, it's fucking great. Like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. It really is. It's nice. Uh, yeah, too bad. What could have been? Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion on these two movies, which also brings us to the end of No More Room in Hell number 47. But as we do before we leave, we find out where everyone can be heard of and what the latest is. So, Venom, let's hear from you on what uh, shows you got out there right now. All right. The latest episode of No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts is now available. That is episode number 11. We look at our, uh, for the first time, we look at a brand new film, and we looked at Phil Tippett's Mad God, currently available on Shudder. 
that episode is currently available, um, came out last week. So check that out. Like I said, that's episode 11 with uh, Derek and uh, Mr. Don and Ellie and myself on no more room in hell presents fresh cuts, our weekly podcast where we look at the newest genre releases. Of course, by no surprise to anyone, we are looking at Jordan Peele's Nope. We try to break that down as good as we can only, you know, after only watching it once or twice, because Jordan Peele movies, uh, tend to, it's one of those things where the more you watch it, the more you see in there stuff that's hidden in there, posters in the background, uh, just all sorts of different stuff, blah, blah, blah. I actually thought for half a second, I actually thought I saw the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the, in get out when, when our main character kills the surgeon with that deer head, I thought I saw that in nope. I thought I saw the same deer head. I could be wrong, but for some reason, I thought I saw it there on the farm. So for those of you who haven't seen Nope yet or are planning on going to see it again, let me know if I'm right. Tell me if you see that deer head in uh, OJ's house, because I I could swear I saw it in there. Anyway, point is, Nope is the latest episode of Fresh Cuts um, that's available for uh, download. And that's pretty much it for me. I don't have any guest spots uh, lined up, though Mike and I will have an announcement soon about a new podcast that we'll be releasing. Um, more well, to come on it. that in the coming weeks. The, the non-Derek episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's no more room in hell for Derek. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Derek, what do you got out there for us, Derek? Nothing much. Honestly, it's with my new hours. It's been kind of hard for me to record. It's kind of sucks, but uh, Home Depot. Yeah, but you know, it's, I get to actually wake up at normal times now and oh, eat good. normally, so it's it's better for me in the long run. I just got to get used to the schedule. <laughs> yeah, but oh, overall, that's about it. There's a few guest spots that are coming up. You know, oh shit. Yeah, summer series. I totally forgot to talk about the summer series. Yep, I said I had no guest spots, and I literally just recorded a four-hour one last weekend and forgot about it. <laughs> I was shocked that it only lasted four hours, too. Well, yeah, for four episodes, because we actually recorded four separate episodes. So, yeah, when, when he because I didn't know that's how he was doing it. I thought we were just going to do it, you know, all the years on the same episode, you know, kind of the way we've done it in the past. So I was fully expecting to have like one six or seven hour, you know, session. But then when he said he was going to make them all individual episodes, I wasn't expecting it to even go as long as it did. But I'm not complaining. I still made it to my poker game, so I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Like like at least two of the episodes, like even like on the next show that we haven't recorded yet, two of the episodes are only one movie. So it's like fucking in and done, you know, those are quick. Exactly. Even though technically we had one of those this time, too, and it still took a half hour. Not the first one, but the second one that we were all in agreement with. I, I guess we just all had so much to talk about with that particular film that we ended up going over half an hour. Oh, but yeah. Oh, still, yeah. You know, half an hour is not that bad. I do some impressions. It's great. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> All right. Well, as far as I go, the only thing I got that hasn't been mentioned is the new sidecast. Watch this movie, Mike. There's two episodes out now. One with guest Doug Tilly, the other with Jamie Sammons, where they're out already. The movie for us to watch. Yeah, the first two are up. 
and out and available. Uh, on the normal room and hell feed? Uh, I, on YouTube, it's all uploaded under one thing. On Dark Discussions Network, I think... I know I I know um, Phil didn't make its own like yeah. Lara says, so it's either under Fresh Cuts or No More Roman Hell. It's under one of the probably No More Roman Hell because it is tagged. I'll take a look. It's been a while since I actually looked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean on YouTube, if you just put No More Roman Hell, the channel should come up. Um, if you I haven't really been listening way. to podcasts usually too, the new hours it's kind of sucky, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it happens. I'm kind of going through a downturn, too, just because I'm at home, so I have options to do other things. Yeah, That's kind of like why I like taking my walks before work, because it's about an hour of just solitude. I walk to work, so I usually try to get, like, an hour in on the journey there, but then it's like, yeah, you know, it's whatever. Or if I'm outside garden, I'll play it on my phone with no headphones on. I don't care. Just pause it. For sure. Like, ah. I almost listen to like half episodes now because like whatever I can fit in during my walk on one and a half speed. And then when I get home, I'll start work and I'll, I'll intend to listen to the rest of it. And then next thing you know, half the day has gone by and I've had like shows on or movies or whatever, but I just got to get used to like the routine of it in order to work. The yeah. Way it's back either to that music. or music. So it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the other thing it kind of came up earlier in the show but I was on an episode of this year's summer series talking about the year 1990 the matchup was Exorcist 3 versus Tremors which would go forward as the number 3 on the list I will keep everyone in suspense and then I am coming back for another episode but I won't name the year because until it airs I should probably just keep it more of a secret um but, I mean, it's not a secret that I'm coming back to join the year because Duncan mentions it on that episode. But uh, other than that, yeah, that's it for me. Then I mentioned the, the new show in the works, so I'll I'll leave that to him when he wants to announce further. But other than that, that's all I got. Make Derek and then watch in our, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> in our rotation, who, who's up next as far as picks go? That's me. Venom. Venom, all right. And I already know uh, what we're doing. I was going to say, it's been a while since we recorded, so you might have had enough time to think about it. (laughs) I absolutely have. Let me me pull them up here. I I just forget the years exactly. uh, We're kind of doing the horror cast uh, thing where we're going to look at one older one and one new one. Uh, But let's see. It is... Bill, the science guy. Okay, so... Uh, For the next episode of No More Room in Hell, we're going to be looking at facial trauma, horror facial trauma. We're going to be looking at 1960s Eyes Without a Face and 2015's Goodnight Mommy. Oh, boy. Two movies I fucking love. So this is going to be a fun episode. And I I love I love facial trauma. I love fucking people's faces up. So yeah. (laughs) Your eyes without a face. Should we announce that we'll have Billy uh, Idol as a guest, or should we keep that a secret? Nah, we'll we'll keep (laughs) it. I'm gonna do the impression the whole show. You know that now. 
But actually, Eyes Without a Face is actually a request. It's a listener request from a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine from San Diego. Hello, Lucy Gutierrez. Uh, she's actually a, a listener of mine for a few years. And she brought up that it's a very underappreciated horror movie, and she's very curious to see what we think of it. So there you go. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Your request. We have an actual listener. So give me your request. I'll pick them like chopping mall seven. Come hey, on. I've been there's... saying that for years, folks. If you hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, if there's a movie you want to see us That's talk about, tell us. <laughs> yeah, even if it's just one, we'll try to find something to match up with it. Either oh, that absolutely. or you know what I'm doing the next episode already, but I'll yeah, keep it on my friend's request was Eyes Without a Face. I just decided to pair it with Goodnight Mommy because I haven't watched it in a while, and that just gives me a reason to watch it. Goodnight Mommy. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's There you great. go. You got your homework for next episode. Yeah, and there's always more room in hell. I, already did a, I actually already <laughs> did an episode on Goodnight Mommy, too. So. Oh, there you go. You're, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> they are here, podcast. Nice. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to No More Room in Hell, number 47. We will try, I promise, to get 48 out uh, sooner. But uh, you know how it goes. It's, things happen. Life so, happens. Yeah. With that said, thanks for listening. We will catch you all next time. Let's say good night from hell. Good night, mommy. Wait us next time. <laughs> good night, good night, folks. And remember, never ever buy grandma roller skates. Good night, folks. <laughs> Mind the big tub of acid under your house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like the fucking. That's like the fucking. The scene in the fucking zombie movie we watched, I don't live in day where it had the self destruct button with yes! no stuff. <laughs> 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 <sighs>